0: Or the two nations of like Esau and Jacob, and uh, and we spoke about how I do not like I'm trying to paraphrase it, but something about uh Jim, Jacob actually fulfilling
1: the prophecy,
0: right? For me, I never actually mm-hmm. saw it that way. Like, like you know how the like the thing that was prophesied in their mom's belly or something like that. Um, I never actually saw it that way For me it was mostly just A betrayal story It was never mm-hmm. one of It was never one of um, There was a word spoken By God and that word was to come To pass I never saw it That way so I think in the generality Of the story that's still Something that I'm still would I say Battling with not battling But I'm still Looking at it iffy like Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think it doesn't really But just knowing that It's like oh wow And for me it's just like I feel like now It's making me Realize there's so much more Even in that story That I do not know And I think that Even like it's still something that I'm going back to the, to the recording to like look through and read through for myself. Mm-hmm. But the, the
1: actual fact that it was not just about um, a betrayal, that there was so much more to that. So that's for me. That was the biggest mm-hmm. thing for me from last week. Mm-hmm. Wow. Don't worry. I still have the amount of being seen.
0: No, I'm or, see. No, up. no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm see. I was. I was. <laughs> i've accepted it is just the reality of knowing that what you believe to be true to I said through, <laughs> to be true is not actually it's, it's just it's insane and it's also mm-hmm. making me to look like now when my approach towards the bible obviously i feel like i would say like my approach towards the bible has always been one of I don't know anything, God teach me. But now it's like, I really, really do not know anything. And I want to, and I really want to see your perspective on it. And not just mm-hmm. what I think is the reality and what I have, I have my, I've been groomed in my mind to be the reality of it. So it's still, so that's the general idea. That's what I'll say I've gotten so far from, from what we did for last week.
2: Thank you, Tomba. Thank you. Yeah. So, who who wants to go next?
1: So, did we take time to actually study? Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: so I I'm think good. one of the things that really troubled me last week was when we talked about how um he so lacked understanding and that's why he like despised his rights. like he treated it as nothing because he didn't really understand the promises he wasn't like he hadn't really sat down to understand who this girl was and everything and then mm-hmm. i realized that there's some things that i had to query, just really despised because was he really bringing any not like proof but it was he it didn't feel like it was a benefit, so like the priority didn't really yeah. care. And then like I was choosing it anyhow. And then it really humbled me because I realized that like even me myself, as I am, I won't give something I trust to someone that doesn't understand how important it is to me. So I can't like one, I can't blame God for even in the way choosing Jacob because Jacob understood like the promises and everything, like, I don't know, it just, it just, it was really humbling because I realized that, honestly, a lot of times we might want to make God seem like the bad person or seemingly choosing somebody mm. over somebody. But I feel like we, as ourselves, we decide mm-hmm. what we end up being, or we decide what we end up being chosen for. I guess mm. that's-
1: Okay, can I
2: go?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, mother. Thank you. Mother. Um. Okay. Um. One of the things that stood out to me was, um, Isaac's insensitivity. Mm. Um, how he was a father, yet you know, I had always wondered that part. How are you a father, and you're confused about your son? You know. But mm. later on, I thought about it, and I remember that, um, even though, um, I didn't go to check it out but i know that in the past i had read a study about isaac that um showed isaac meditated mm. You know, the, the, the the place in the bible that spoke of how isaac in the evening in the field he actually meditated and so i was not asking myself what could have happened to isaac that he went from this place of um you know sensitivity and i'm taking a meditation to means some level of awareness and sensitivity to the point where you can't Mm. even tell your sons apart so i think one of the things that stood out to me is um the 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 fact that you know on this journey on this walk you know we need to continue we need to continue we we will never Mm. arrive we just need to continue basically Mm. that's
4: powerful Thank you very much,
0: That's Thank you very much. <clears throat> Sorry, can I add to what Abakemi said? I feel
4: really. Oh, yes,
0: um. So another thing for me from last week was um the negligence of Issa and I think him too as well. Like looking back now, I remembering the fact that he, he he held a kind of a certain level of deception as well. Because mm-hmm. after after the whole despising his um, birthright and he just sold it off for a meal, what he did was when his dad came, when his dad asked him to actually go get him food so he would be blessed, he... I don't know what he was... Like, now it's like, you already give you've already given somebody your word that this does not belong to you again. And the mere fact mm-hmm. that you could feel like you could deceive I mean now it's like him too he was also a, would I say I don't know what what do they call people that deceive people? Him too as well. He he had that role, him too he was full of deception. And also the thing another thing was um I know we spoke about um the ladies he got married to, and the fact that mm-hmm. he caused such a pain to his parents—that's another thing too. So I feel for major, mm-hmm. mid, mid, like g- generally, is the personality of Esau in this whole thing. He was very negligent. He did not care. The fact that he he did not know, like I know you talked about, or we mentioned something about knowing. The history or something like that of, Or the promises of God Or something like that, I can't remember But the fact that Jacob Say Jacob, sorry, Esau was unaware Of so many things And the fact that he married into a family That he shouldn't have It just shows so much personality Of him And now looking mm-hmm. at it, it's like Well, that betrayal Was not necessarily enough for you to be honest Because the lineage Of Abraham was supposed to carry Such a light and the fact that He wasn't aware of it and he was just Not as responsible Says so much So yeah, that's all mm-hmm. I want to add
1: Thank you so much Tumba. Um, Ayo, were you At the last, uh, were you in the last Session
0: Myself, right Yeah uh, No, I wasn't, this is my first one joining
1: Oh okay. So yeah. um I will send the I shared the link, but I'll send it to you again. You. Um so yeah, I just saw your messages. Um absolutely understand what you know the the contention. Um but we actually um um studied this like in two sessions ago and then last session. So I will share the links to you so you can listen to them at time. Right
0: fine
2: okay. yeah thank you yeah thank you. thank you okay um
1: all right so we see that uh you know like everyone has shared thank you so much i don't know if anyone was able to study the scripture just for we purposes we explored um the birth of jacob and esau Um, The word that the Lord gave to Rebecca when he separated nations and peoples, then people, and then individual. Um, I remember the first time I drew it, you know, the first time we we spoke about it, it was like a, um, I was sharing like what looked like a, how that explains like a chart. Um, So literally it was like, you know, starting off with nations, that was the first thing God um, mentioned when he was talking to Rebecca. He mentioned nations, and then the next thing he spoke about was peoples. And so like that word, when we see the word nations, in that particular context, you know, that word nation was literally going, um, and going literally means, you know, so on one end, there is the nations, and then on the other end, there is the unbelieving nation. Um, So when God was actually talking about that, he was talking about two different sects. And then he spoke about peoples, um, peoples, we start to see how that word comes to play in, you know, the following scriptures or in the other scriptures that we read, we see how that plays out. Then um, he spoke about people, one people will be greater than the other. First of all, he talks about two peoples, you know, and how one pe- the peoples shall be separated and then one people shall be greater than the other. And then he said, the young, the the older shall serve the younger. So the Lord actually took time to you know, speak about the different strata. And as we study that scripture, we start to see the characteristics of Jacob. We start to see the characteristics of Esau, how Esau was after the kind of Nimrod. And Jacob was after the kind of one of the ancestors in the book of Genesis, chapter six, or sorry, Genesis chapter. By no four, um, a man named Jabal. Jabal lived in tents. He was a shepherd, and we see that same description
2: for um, um,
1: as he saw. As a matter of fact, Isaac was in the same place, you know, and barely moved around during his lifetime compared to his father Abraham, and then or even his brothers you know or um his son jacob so um, we see the characteristic that tree we see how you know um it's like i was explaining when we want to um go to scriptures so for example we might see the first line and um, god hated jonah and then we're just like oh my god god hated jonah what kind of god will hate jonah but um those kinds of statements Um, sometimes scriptures actually starts with the end. So we see the end and then the following verses start to explain why it it came to that conclusion or it starts with the conclusion and then the conclusion and then it starts to unveil or backtrack to why you know this was the way it was. Um, So we see that case especially with Jacob and Esau because it was like a backtrack. So by the time we start to see everything. We now, it now takes us back to what God was saying to Rebecca, and everything starts to make sense. So um, acknowledging that God sees in the present, he sees in the past, and he also sees the future at the same time um, because he's not bound by you know, time. Humans are limited by time, but God is not limited by time. So he sees, you know, it's like one whole big picture before him. Um, so yeah, that might also help. I mean, yeah, I feel like I'm reiterating this because of you, because I know like it can be a bit of a contention to swallow when we think about it. But then when we look at the characteristics of Jacob and look at Esau, we see that one was after the kind of Nimrod that was mentioned in scriptures. Remember, we spoke about Nimrod that was the founding father of Babel, and he was the founding father of Nineveh, and both. Cities had nothing good to you know there was nothing good about to write about them um, because Jonah was so like so skeptical or so um, so irritated by this um, you know this neighbor I was like God oh, I would rather you know that these people die just so that they can know for a fact that they can nobody can fuck with me you know but we still saw God's mercy um, and then when it came to Babel um you see that it was also a place where there was a lot of confusion because of the desire to improve themselves you know like god um and it wasn't just about the people it was about the founder it was about Nimrod and what he wanted to see himself as um, because he was so fearful you know people actually worshipped Nimrod um and then also we looked at the name or the meaning of Nimrod Nimrod literally means rebel rebellion or son of rebellion or son of rebellion or man of rebellion, you know, for somebody that is identified as a rebel, and then we now see that Esau's life takes after a new world, you know, it's, it's, it's something to think about. So um, we go through scriptures from Genesis 25, and we start to see how, you know, the lives of Jacob and Esau play out before our eyes. And the more we study, it, the deeper we go, we start to see just how, you know, what God was really saying, what he really meant. And that it wasn't about the prophecy. The prophecy didn't determine their outcome. We could see the place of their decisions. You know, several times we'll see that Esau went through women that brought grief to his father and his mother. He made that decision. God didn't influence him to make the decision. He made the decision. And then where we are, which is Genesis 28, we see that again, he went to Ishmael's family to marry a wife or to take a wife for himself you know um and if we go through the the scriptures we'll see that in genesis 16 agar encountered you know an angel at the well where she said where she named Elroy, you know she actually encountered an angel that told her that you he will bear a son he will have children and he will live in open rebellion against his brothers And then we see in Genesis 25 that Abraham went to every length to separate his concubines or the sons of his concubines and all his other children from Isaac. But then towards the end of that scripture, before we're introduced to Isaac's family, it says that Ishmael's son lived in open rebellion against their brothers. So we see that these people were living in open rebellion against their siblings, including Isaac. They were not at peace with Isaac. And then in chapter 28, just right after Esau saw that Isaac had instructed Jacob to go and marry from Laban's house, Esau deliberately goes to the house of Ishmael to take a wife you know for himself which is outright rebellion and it's it's it was it was yeah it was just a really it was a time to just pause and think because then as we as we go through it we start to see that Esau was just very very interesting um, and funny enough the Esau story doesn't just end in Malachi we get to the New Testament and then we see a man called Herod and guess where Herod comes from Zero was this? Error is the line of Edom. Erod was an Edomite.
0: I think I missed you know? the well. Oh, hmm. I, sorry.
4: I, I think I missed the Malachi um, reference for um Esau, or Edom. Mm. Please, could you remind? Okay,
1: Malachi. That's Malachi. Malachi one.
2: Malachi
1: 1 from verse 3. Okay, thanks. Yes. So, you know, he spoke about God, um, you know, um, loving Jacob, um, but then despising Esau. And then he actually explained, like the prophecy actually explained why and how, you know, from Esau to Edom and the Edomites and all that stuff. And then we get to the New Testament and then we realize that Herod, that wanted to kill Jesus, was an Edomite. So really, you know, it's, it's like God was not just seeing one picture. He wasn't just seeing two tiny, innocent babies. He was now seeing the I... Sorry. Sorry.
0: No, I'm saying now I have more questions than answers. <laughs> okay. no. Sorry.
2: Okay.
0: It's, it's like now my question is um, so what mm-hmm. does that say about God as the creator like? ourselves you know um mm-hmm. beings and their personalities and stuff like if mm-hmm. he knew um that mm-hmm. like i feel like Esau was playing out to the personality that was created in him so he had predominant tendencies mm-hmm. yeah there is the possibility yeah. of overcoming them but he has like mm-hmm. predominant tendencies that already mm-hmm. were like handicapped to him in life And Mm -hmm. then I know that God is just. So the question is, what am I missing? So, like I said, there are more questions. Yeah. When you answered one of them, it was Mm -hmm. interesting. You already said that he definitely wasn't seeing just one person. He was talking, when he talked about Esau and the people, it wasn't just Mm Esau. He was seeing years down the line. Mm
2: -hmm. But my Mm -hmm. first question
0: is still valid. Mm -hmm. that applies to so many other scriptures so yeah but i'm sure i'll get the answer eventually
1: can i try to say something about it you know i feel like um, one common analogy that i think a lot of people used to explain this is um you know the question of robots so god didn't want Mm -hmm. robots because if he wanted Mm -hmm. robots he could have just made you know one million of us uh, well, not one. Yeah, you yeah. get the point. Created just an army and said, "Do as I say. Hands up, left leg." You know, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. God actually wanted us to, to willingly, you know, give up our will, give up our desires, but our will. So even yeah. when we say we are slaves to God, or we are His bond mm-hmm. servants, it's because we mm-hmm. choose. He didn't force His yoke upon us. We decided to say, "God, mm-hmm. I want to serve you. Give it to me. Like put it around my neck. I want to follow you." So I think that mm. when we see the story of um, people with bad, um, we you know, I don't believe God created us evil. You know, the Bible says that when God made man, he looked at us, everything he made was good. But somehow,
2: mm.
1: I don't know how, somehow the devil sent in corruption. Mm. I think that's from the fall and so Mm -hmm. in christ you know it 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 takes us back to christ so it's in christ that we can lay down our weaknesses and pick pick up his strength you know so you know the life we live is really not ours we we will fail when we Mm -hmm. try by ourselves so Mm -hmm. for every case for every person the answer to the problem that you know was that started at the fall is jesus because jesus now takes charge of our weaknesses and gives us the strength to excel. So it's not like yeah. God now said, okay, you, you, you are bad. You, you are good. Okay. Now go and run. No, you know, there's bad and there's good, but God has given us the answer, like the antidote. And he's saying, oh yeah, take the antidote and run. But some of us don't want to take the antidote. Some of us say, no, I'll run. I'll do it by myself, but we can't win without yeah. him. You know, I don't know if I Aziz, is um, um I'm sorry. Um, I believe strongly
0: <laughs> I believe strongly what you're saying, but it still doesn't answer my essential question because the truth is it, it doesn't answer the question of how yeah, it is for some people but certain truths than it is for others. And it doesn't answer sorry. like um for me, me as a person, the question of justice. <laughs> you know, for those mm-hmm. two children. Because one was more as in I mean, he's listening to the story of Jacob. Yes, he's mischievous, but he was more of a homely person. So um he was more caring, less of a loner from how he related with his mom, you could tell. More of an empathetic person. Those mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. people are more likely to accept like um The truth of being led, or having a God, or having a Christ, as opposed
1: to, I I, am sorry, as opposed Um, to But you, if if you actually also look at um, documentaries of people that are, um, you know, serial killers, people that are um, serial crime, um, serial criminalists, or serial criminals. Sorry, or even people that. I know there's a particular documentary about a guy that is a a bomber, or is it yeah, is a bomber, or whatever, Um, and when they were actually analyzing his traits, you know, he was a very reserved person, very homely person, very quiet person as well. So I wouldn't say that the reception of the gospel, because I've seen notorious people you know, remember Paul was a notorious person. And I was going to get
0: to him. Actually, I was going to get to them. I was going to say that, um, we see how Peter was, uh, from the Bible, how Jesus had to like pray for him. We see that Paul needed an intervention from God himself to be able to believe. And I was going to say that it Mm -hmm. seems there are certain personalities that just had that to convince Mm -hmm. than others. Mm -hmm. And for me, um, there's still the question of that justice part. And it's why I said, because obviously it's an argument that could go on. And it's why I said that for me it's an answer that I, I believe that he will have to give me eventually. Because it's something I've been ruminating about and I've, I've still not been able to come mm. to any answer. But one thing is certain and one thing I choose to believe. And that's the fact that God is just and God is a loving God. And if those things do not change, then it means that there are certain truths that I need to discover. Mm-hmm.
2: Hi, sorry.
0: Okay. Can you, so are you, are you? Sorry, Esther, sorry. Um,
1: I don't want to answer the question, but can you please repeat the question, please? I just want to know, know please.
0: Okay, so for me, the question is how to marry, as in God knowing um, the character. Traits of certain people, and out of that, being able to say that okay, this one is going to turn out this way, and this one this way, and I hate this one, I love this one, and marrying that to his justice and his ability to create people in a certain way. hmm. So, I
1: I just want to clarify something when we're looking at Esau and Jacob, right? One of the things that might seem like a very big challenge for us is to look at the individuals as opposed to natures, two natures. Um, so when we're studying scriptures, it's very important to look beyond the character and look at the essence of the character. Because if we're just looking at the nature, then it becomes about Esau and Jacob. And then we walk away without, without um, extracting the truth from what God is trying to say. Now, there are a lot of stories that are in the Old Testament, especially stories that were written by Moses, that look very, um, how possible is this supposed to be? They look very outwardly. Like, how is this supposed to be? Like, how can I even process this with my human mind? Um, But then when we look at it within our own context, like, oh, it's just Esau and it's just Jacob, you know, we we tend to miss out on, on the essence. So, for example, if we're looking at Jacob, it's not just Jacob because there are times in scriptures that God will interchange Jacob with Israel. And he was not talking about the man. He was talking about the nation. Right. And then he would talk about them from a very um, holistic perspective and then that goes to show that because sometimes you say oh speak to the house of jacob for they have abandoned me they've abandoned their first love and then speak to them that i will come to him or i will come to them and i will strike them with my with my anger um, because they have um, they have walked away from me and they've turned to other gods but then when god spoke about esau right it wasn't just about esau the guy it was about esau the nature what Esau actually represented. And so when we go through scriptures, you start to see that at some point, there is no mention of Esau. What we start to see is Edom or the Edomites. Now, the thing is, um, when it comes to nature and it comes to personality, right? Um, When it comes to nature and it comes to personality, there is no, because that's, I think that's one of the biggest questions that we have um in in christianity is always that question of predestination we will use ephesians i know ephesians want to talk about it you know how like you know there's predestination and paul spoke about predestination in colossians paul spoke about predestination but then the question is what exactly is um what exactly is um predestination you know um what exactly is predestination? Does it mean that there are some people that God has condemned permanently, and there are some people that God chooses to save? Um, if we look at it that way, then it debunks the narrative that you know Christ Himself has said that whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. There is the whosoever clause that is not limited to anybody, and we see that the mercy of God, the justice of God, you know, is open to all right? And then when we're talking about justice, it is impossible for us to also talk about mercy and righteousness because they work hand in hand. And so God in his justice, he knows what a man is capable of. Let's, let's not forget that this is God that is almighty, that sees and he knows us more than we can ever know ourselves. He knows the individual. He knows you know, our capability. He knows what we're able to do even before we actually think about doing those things. And the beautiful thing about God is when He speaks and we see the fulfillment of that thing, we often miss the fact that in that word, in the prophecy that He has given, there is always an underlying warning. So, for example, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, you know, before they even actually encountered the serpent or anything, God gave them one instruction, one very basic instruction. You know, he said, you can eat of every, tree, of every tree in the garden, but don't eat of the tree of good and evil. Now we see that as a commandment. I remember when the Lord was actually highlighting this to me, he said, Esther, you can either see this as, a, as an instruction or you can see this as a warning. And when I actually saw this, when I saw that instruction as a warning, I was like, oh my God, God actually warned these people about this thing before it happened. And then it was based on that warning that the enemy came and perverted it and gave them a different instruction. That aside, we see the same thing with Jacob and Esau. The mother actually got an instruction from God. She told them, two people are fighting. You are two nations in your womb that are warring against each other. You know that at that time, there was no word about loving one person and hating the other. When we see the hating and loving is in Malachi 1. And when God was talking about it, he wasn't talking about the individual. He was talking about the nations and he was talking about the nature. So when we start to see from verse three, you know, God explains the nature of Edom and how they rebelled against him and how they've tried to tear down the tents of Jacob and, you know, how he's going to come down and, 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 and cause their lands to be desolate. So he wasn't even talking about Esau the person. He was talking about Esau as a nature and then now gets clearer when we see Paul's um, letter, I think in 1 Corinthians or Romans. So when he talks about two war, two nations at war in me, I what I do not want to do, that is what I find myself doing. And what I want to do, I do not find myself doing it. And then he said, oh, Richard, oh, Richard man that I am, who can save me from myself. So really we see that, you know, there is a mirror between two, two natures fighting in Paul and two nations fighting in Rebecca's womb. We see that they are not just baby boys, but they are two natures that are being expressed. And when we even see the birth of Esau, it says that when Esau was born, he was born fully formed. And that's, if we think about it in our time, imagine you being in in a room and then a baby is born and that baby is born fully formed, you know, we, we 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 might look at it as a physical thing, but then there was also like spiritual implications as well. What does it mean for a baby or for this thing to be fully formed? What does it mean for a child to be fully formed? What does it mean for a child to, you know, be identified with the color red? What does it mean for a child to be described as an outwardly person? Even though he had a relationship with his father, Isaac, is it possible, I know in the morning, somebody asked the question, is it possible that he saw knew the, um, is it possible that Esau knew about the prophecy and it influenced his decision? And I looked at it and I was like, it's possible that he he knew and it influenced his decision, but it's also possible that he, he knew and he decided to despise it. So they both had equal chances if we're looking at it, you know, but one person made a choice to revere the law, to revere the commandments and the blessings of his forefather and the other person made a choice to be an outdoor kind of person and then let's look at what god was also doing with abraham He was doing a separate work that was not just physical but it was also a spiritual work so um, you know there were two natures and they both had choices and that's where we see god's justice like the justice is not that the justice is not fairness as we look at it justice is you know rewarding every man as he deserves and that's as he deserves is because every man has a right to make a choice Um, and they all make choices you know and even in in us till today we still see that we have choices there are people that you know um, are tilted towards you know towards christianity from the beginning and later they fall off there are people that are not tilted towards christianity and they fall off there are some people that are tilted towards spirituality but the truth is we cannot all say that at one point in time or at every point in our lives, we have the right to make our own choices, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like, you know, it's something that you can still, like, you know, do your research on and everything. i definitely going to bring light, you know, but yeah, that was a really, really interesting question. Really
2: interesting. thank you
1: <laughs> that thank makes you. sense so we have another question you don't have to be scared I'm, I'm typically not scared of like questions like that because it also it also you know if i don't know it i'll go back and study and ask questions and all that stuff so do you still have questions at your
0: <laughs> quite frankly no really.
1: okay so like now what do you think like what do you I feel like it's really
0: reasonable to be the problem here. Yeah. yeah, i probably will. I can't I I I don't know what my time to be like, but I probably will. But I feel like you answered the biggest question for me. Um and that was mm. like being able to separate when the this person I hit came in and mm-hmm. then we are because being able to do that meant that it wasn't the children that were in that statement, it was the people and mm-hmm. natures, because that was what I was not getting yeah. an answer to, because I know usually there are layers of meaning, I see that there was a separation mm-hmm. um, between mm-hmm. the prophecy we've been taught and the actual truth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know where people got, got that thing from, you know, they like that idea that it was before they were born that God just came and told Rebecca, Esau, I hate, Jacob, I love, now deal with it. I feel like that's like what they've fed us with. I don't know, but let me, it might just can be. I, really, I don't know. Can I ask? I think, okay, before I ask my question, let me just comment. I think it's just because a lot of us have not read it. In that manner, mm. because it was in this study that I realized that that is all, is you know. I didn't think about it, but I always thought it was before. It's so it's the fact mm. that because I hadn't read it before, and then my question now is: so when God um, makes His judgment on Israel and Israel, mm. um, well, in in Malachi, does He approve mm-hmm. or does He love Israel because? They go back to him whenever they're wrong, and then yes. um, Esau never goes back. So is that to say yes. that in the history, you know, of of all those things um, recorded in scripture, no Edomites mm. ever sought God, because we know from God that, you know, Israel, children of Israel would do stuff, and God would say, Oh yeah, you're going to be punished for a while. Then you come back mm. to me. You go to Babylon. So. Is it that Edom, Edomites at any time never, ever inclined themselves towards God? Hmm. I mean, it's not even recorded anywhere. I haven't seen anywhere in Scripture where any Edomites was. I haven't seen, actually. Okay.
5: Uh,
1: so, I haven't seen. I haven't seen because it, even when, for the fact that it even extends to, you know, um, Heron you know um it's it's sorry herod um you know that that just says a whole lot um but is it possible for edomites is there is that an opening for edomites to be saved of course you know of course definitely but it wasn't just i haven't seen any record of that um in scripture
0: so roots roots was from what lineage more
1: sorry what She's asking about Ruth yeah. And the yes, Moabites Have Muabites. no
0: link to the Edomites
1: Moabites were yeah. lots, lot's grand Yeah I, I, I know yeah. that part mm. Yeah but I yeah. think I think even if This is my opinion I think even if um, Ruth was an Edomite Then it would be that she Personally decided that she wanted To follow God's people Not her mm. people But I think for the children of Israel, anytime we see them seeking God, it's a collective thing in as much as they are individuals that God shines his light on, like Moses and Elijah. There's generally the collective Mm -hmm. devotion of the people of Israel to God. So even if Ruth was an Edomite, then it wasn't a communal thing. It was just her saying, you know what? I want to follow your God and follow you. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You know, it, it was just that decision. That decision she made was so powerful. Like, you know, I want to go with you. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. So she was literally denouncing, you know, everything that she knew. Everything that she knew. You know, that she was. Um, love you know. Love to, you
2: know yeah. yeah. And, and, you know,
1: Emma. Yeah. Almost so sorry. When we go, <laughs> it's fine. When we go back to, you know, Genesis, I think about um around I think, no, not Genesis, sorry. Around Exodus, we'll see that in um, this, you no, know, not Exodus, Leviticus actually, where you know they actually seduced the Israelites and, and yeah, it was just really messy. Um but Ruth's, Ruth Roots was just interesting. That was an interesting story. Was an interesting but yeah, I don't think there's any record of any Edomites that actually was um, converted um, basically because in, even in the book of Hebrews, I think Hebrews 12 um, where Paul spoke about it you know, it says, lest, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau who for one more sell of meat to his best rights, you know but he he knew he knew the value afterwards and he would have inherited the blessing, but he rejected it or he despised it and he found no place of repentance, though so he sought it carefully with tears. That repentance that was being mentioned was not the repentance or a change of heart, you know. Um, Esau knew the implication of his father's blessing. He was going to inherit his father's wealth. And that's basically what he wanted. You know, because in the next chapter we don't see him doing anything different from what he was doing before that time. As the firstborn son, he knew that whoever he married was very, very, you know, very, very, um, sensitive about the two women, not even one, two women from the Itite clan, and then brought them to the house. And these people were, you know, idolaters. Um, they were, you know, they were promiscuous, sexually promiscuous. And the father had clearly warned, you know, that it should have nothing to do with them. And then he went and he did it. That was outright rebellion. And this was after he sold his birthright. So we're not seeing just Esau. There is a nature that is at work here. You know, there's a nature and that nature is rebellious, you know. And that's basically, and we know we know how the how the Lord feels about rebellion, you know, because that was the same scene. That the enemy committed from the very beginning, you know, and that's what he still does to today, perversion and, and rebellion, you know. So so it's 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 it was more about the nature than, than the individual, you know, the nature that he he
2: chose. So yeah. <clears throat> um
1: okay. So um last week we started. Genesis 28 um, from this one. So please, if we can all just, you know, our Bibles, if we can all just go to Genesis 28. i so I'm just going to read from this one. Um, I don't know, is everybody there? Please if you're there, let me know if you're there. You we're know, just going to read. Through. Yes, we're yeah. yes, yes, yes. here. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, so Genesis 1. So Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him. Please, as we're reading, if you can, so that we don't waste so much time, you can just keep highlighting. If you have any questions or anything that really stand out to you, please just be highlighting those things, um, you know, because it's, it's like a lot and it takes a very funny turn at some points. But yeah, let's go. So Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him. Do not take a wife from the Canaanites Canaanite women he commanded, Go at once to Padanaram, to the house of your mother's father, Betwell, and take a wife from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you so that you may become a company of peoples. And may He give the blessings of Abraham to you and your descendants so that you may possess the land where you dwell as a foreigner. Lord God gave to Abraham. So Isaac sent Jacob to Padan Aram to Laban, son of Bethuel the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, who was the mother of Jacob and Esau. So let's start here. What stands out to you? Genesis 28. and So who wants to go first? What stands out to you? In just those five verses, yes yes um i think the thing that stands out most to me is um the blessing of abraham so he still gives it to to jacob after the birthright mm -hmm. and the blessing of the firstborn he still gets Mm -hmm. abraham's blessing and he didn't even need to struggle Mm -hmm. this time yes 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 amazing so just going to underline that blessings of Abraham, because I know we talk about blessings of Abraham before, but how many people know the blessings of Abraham? What <laughs> do you mean? Really blessings of Abraham. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you,
0: you know what? So. Okay, yeah, I know. Blessing
1: the money. Okay, I'm still what I think. Um and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel I feel like <clears throat> in Christ in in Jesus, we have the fulfillment of the blessing of Abraham so you know I, I don't think I need to be bothered about the blessings of Abraham because I have it in Jesus. So I think um, Paul explained it in somewhere and he said um, where's that place that I think Paul even went to break it down that when um, God told Abraham that um, I will give this to you and your seed He didn't say seeds, he it said seed and that seed is, is mm-hmm. Jesus. So mm-hmm. I, think, I think that, you know, the, the fact that the blessings of Abraham, the blessings of Abraham are in Jesus. And so because I'm in Jesus, I have the blessings. So I don't know, personally, I haven't really done a lot of searching towards the blessings because mm-hmm. I feel like, okay, is in Christ. So if we have Christ, Abraham mm-hmm. is in Christ. I don't know. Okay, but if the blessing is in Christ, what is the blessing? What is the
4: Abraham's blessing in <laughs> Christ? Oh, okay, let me think. Hmm. Okay,
1: what's it? Oh wow. Um I uh, the defender. Oh, the is it let me go and check. Is it okay? <laughs> we'll check. Okay, we'll actually check it.
0: Esther, sorry, the question is what is the person of Abraham, right? Mm,
1: yeah. So there's that's there's, there's that one, but then if there's anything that also stood out to you, um,
0: Oh on, on the okay. Wait, what well,
1: you know we spoke about this, we touched on it briefly before you know we 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 closed it last week's last mm-hmm. session.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: I think for me, what is standing out here is um, Isaac's awareness of mm. Jacob being Jacob, right? So at this point, he's aware. Yeah. I think we spoke about it last week as well, about mm-hmm. how that his, his eyes were dim and all of that, and what that meant in terms of. Mm-hmm. Both physical blindness and spiritual blindness, and then how he mm. was actually at some point after he realized what had happened. And here, mm. this, like, he, sorry, at this point, there's literally, it just shows that he's aware, he's calm. He's, mm. you know, when like someone blesses you from their heart, right? Like, mm. You know, a, a, yeah, that's what I just noticed. Like it's an awareness of this is my son Jacob and I'm blessing him as my son Jacob. And then he, yeah. gives, him, um, he gives him instructions and just blesses him from his heartbeat, pretty much. Mm. Yeah,
1: that's that's what yeah. I noticed. So Sorry. what does that say to you, like in terms of the transition? Because just some verses before it says that he was literally livid when he found out that he blessed Jacob instead of Esau what 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 do you think transpired between those verses and and that's um just that that point that transition what do you think transpired
4: i think what would have changed would probably be the moment from when his eyes were dimmed to when he was opened i guess so Mm -hmm. i'm thinking that um because i think i remember like we also mentioned that like rebecca spoke to him at towards the end of the chapter 27 they had a conversation And I'm guessing probably I don't know what like I don't know maybe the conversation probably had like had that spark or awakening of his spiritual like this is your son there's there's a spiritual implication right if Mm this goes south do you understand Mm -hmm. came to that realization after that conversation and then yeah that happened I think yeah
0: so so sorry. Sorry, I'm so sorry to inter. Anywho, sorry. Sorry? <laughs> I'm,
2: sorry. <laughs> I'm
0: sorry. I'm sorry. I, wanna, I want to confirm something. So, this is after he realized that he blessed Jacob, right? Yes. So then he now blessed him again to go <laughs> and
4: marry someone else. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> then. <laughs> So, so um, <laughs> no, I'm confused. So,
1: why? Oh, you know, I think <laughs> <the last laughs> that's a good I, question. That's I a don't very know. good question. Hello. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah? The the second, to the last person who spoke, and uh, she said something Bami. that struck yeah, Bami. Bami said something. Um, you know when Rebecca went to tell is um what's his name Isaac. You know, she, I think she also yeah. highlighted the fact that see you, this Iso has married women that are troubling me, blah, blah, blah. I, I cannot afford to let um, Jacob go in the same way. So I think the aspect of the conversation that probably made him come alive was the fact that, see, you, see the kind of women this your son has married, can he carry the blessing?
2: <laughs> Sorry.
1: <Yeah. laughs> yeah. this, um, you know, can um, he carry? It? Like, so maybe that was what opened his eyes.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, I yeah.
1: think I think I understand now. Oh wow! Why say why? <laughs> <laughs> like, no. really have it You really have this thing. You really have it out for Jacob <laughs> 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 You just feel like this man. Yeah. because of Jacobo I to do.
0: <laughs> oh, I think I understand now. I mean, but mm. it does. Ooh. Okay, <laughs> but what? wait, wait. Um, I'm confused. Okay, I don't know if I'm okay. confused. So I'm confusing myself. Okay, wait. So, okay, so it was after he blessed, then Re- Rebecca spoke to him about him, like what he's already done with marrying the other women. So then, since he yeah. had already blessed, um, Jacob, might must not just tell him. But why did he have to bless Jacob to go and marry outside? Is that the tradition? That's what I understand. Like that's what basically I'm asking. It's like because okay. I know that Abraham. Sorry, I know Abraham did the same thing, but then he didn't bless Isaac. He sent his servant to go look for a wife for him, but then he yeah. had the instructions, specific instructions. So, mm-hmm. so basically, is Isaac a puppet here. No, nope. like. Okay.
4: Okay, I think I'm confusing, so just speak. Sorry. I think, like, the blessing, the blessing that he gave Jacob here, like, Jacob was going mm-hmm. away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, the blessing was for his, his journeys. And pretty much, like mm-hmm. you said, Isaac was about to die.
0: So, you didn't know when he
4: was going to die. Yes, there was mm-hmm. a possibility that he probably would never see him again. Okay. So this no, was kind like of like farewell. Exactly. So, this is kind of like a final goodbye type mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was what now made this blessing even more heartfelt, I believe. So yeah, I think that's what this.
1: Is. Yeah. And then for Isaac's own case, because Isaac was with his father, it may not have seemed necessary to do that kind of farewell blessing, because he was still going to be in the in the same tent or so the same area with his father.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, I can... okay, I understand now. Thank yeah. you. Yeah.
1: Amazing. That was good. That was really good. Yeah. Um, if if we read the previous chapter, you know, um, chapter 27, verse 26, you see Rebecca going in to have a you know a, a conversation with um Isaac. Um prior to this chapter, it says that you know Esau took in two wives, you know, two it's women. Um <coughs> See that Esau's wife, chapter 26, verse 34, says that um mm. you know when Esau was 40 years old, he took as his wife Judith, daughter of Biri the Etthetes, and Basmeth, Abismath, daughter of Elon the Ettartite, um mm. the Ehtites, and they brought grief to the broad grief to Esau and Rebecca, So like that's ended there. And I, I think it's just interesting how Genesis ends. Like it's so poetic. It just ended with, this is what Esau did. Esau married two wives. And then it starts with, you know, um, Isaac wanting to bless Esau. You know, but then just in the previous chapter, we saw that his wives. Brought grief to his parents, and then in the next chapter we see that you know he was about to bless Esau, and that's why you know it's one of the things that informed Rebecca's decisions. Because she's like, you know, even when Jacob was like, I can't do this, you know, I don't want to take, I don't want to take a curse upon me, you know, Rebecca was like, I would rather let your curse, let that curse be upon me. I would, I would bear that that curse for you, you know, because it was, it was for you to actually say that somebody cost um someone caused grief you know to you know the parents of a child you know that's like a heavy thing to to um it's a heavy thing to say and i mean you probably start thinking of you know um the scripture that says that you know do not grief the police spirits you know um and it's like very very it's very heavy it's a very heavy thing when we say like you know causing grief or making its own grief causing grief anyways you know it's it's like a very heavy thing to say and then we see that you know being emphasized in fact the chapter closes out with that statement and then we see the next chapter is like oh Isaac wants to bless this same child that he's that has been causing you know grief and everything so you know it was it was like the mother was like not no, going to happen you know not under my watch and this same chapter 27 ends with a conversation with him saying the same thing then rebecca said to isaac i am weary of my life because of these eighties women if mm-hmm. jacob takes a Italian wife from among them what good is my life i mean when you listen to this kind of conversation this just sounds like somebody that is is tired you know she's just like i'm tired but then embedded in these statements you know um are so many mysteries that rebecca is not even saying i remember you know i think it was Kachida that i last week that you know this just shows that she had you know um she could see she wasn't blind like isaac in that chapter Mm -hmm. and it just Jesus, you know about how we should um, respond or how we should act when we can, when we can see, I and mean, we have blind people around us. You know how to show them the light, and you know we, I remember we spoke about that. You know, in terms of wisdom and and wisely guiding people to the light. Um, so and we see that happening there because after Rebecca has this conversation with Jacob, Jacob is now having a conversation with. I'm sorry, she has a conversation with Isaac. Isaac now has the conversation with Jacob and he's saying the same thing Rebecca asked him to do. Rebecca wanted him to go to her brother's house. And then we see Isaac saying the same things, like, oh, you know, saying the same words that Rebecca said. So definitely in that conversation, obviously, I mean, they are married. Are they just going to sit down in their room or wherever they have their conversation? And then Rebecca will just come and say, if Jacob marries a Hittite woman, what good is my life? And then Isaac would look at her and he will and he will say anything throughout the day. And then night will come and everybody will go to bed. And that's all, you know, obviously there, there will be a conversation there. You know, there is there was definitely a conversation. There was an interaction and, and obviously we don't even know, we're not told. But then is there a possibility that Rebecca prayed, you know, before talking to her husband? Is there a possibility that she prayed after? Is there a possibility that Isaac went out to meditate or Isaac meditated on it or Isaac thought about it? Mm -hmm. You know, there are so many things that that scripture just leaves us to ponder on. Um, But what we see is, although we're not told about everything specifically, what we see in the next chapter is Isaac is saying the same thing Rebecca told Jacob and Isaac is blessing Jacob as Jacob. And the interesting thing is he's telling Jacob the same thing, you know, That he knew about his father. He's bringing or presenting his father Abraham before Jacob as a template. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, um, God bless you. And, you know, may the blessings of Abraham be given to you and your descendants. And when we go through scripture, which I feel like we should take time to go through. When we go through scripture, we see that the blessings of Abraham had a lot to do with land and descendants land and descendants land and descendants you know when god says your children shall be like the stars Um, if you can count the stars then you will count mm-hmm. your children when he talks about you know the land that you step on i will give to you from the north the south mm-hmm. the east and the west you know we see the similarities you know he just summarized everything and says the blessings of abraham given to you um and your descendants so that you may possess the land where you dwell as a foreigner the land god gave to abraham also remember that abraham was a foreigner in a strange land you know abraham left his father's house in search of where god wanted to establish him which was not the same thing with isaac so isaac wasn't entirely isaac wasn't the prophet isaac was just playing a you role know, you know isaac was isaac was isaac. isaac isaac was where he was supposed to be um, you know, Isaac didn't have any business You know, honestly, Isaac didn't have any business So imagine Isaac being The son of a dangote Or a Bill Gates Or the richest man in the world Just imagine Isaac being that What's, What does he, get like why does he Need to leave his father's house Like His father has given him everything His father is dead, his father is like, oh, take everything And, you know, so he didn't see the need To leave his father's house But his, he had children and unfortunately, the children, they, are not, they were nothing like their father, you know. Um, so, one I, had to go and he's like, okay, sorry?
0: I'm sorry to cut you short. I also remember that he wasn't actually um, told to leave the land, so to say.
1: Yes. Um, he wasn't, yes.
0: It wasn't at any point instructed to leave um, the To land. leave
1: the land. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So he, he had no business. He had actually had no business
0: living. Yeah? I was just going to add that it was part of like the instruction that was given to Abraham. So for Isaac, he was supposed to stay in that land as a fulfillment, a first installment, so to say, of God giving the land to um, his children. And then God yeah. went for that to explain to Abraham that though Isaac will be there, you know, the living of the land to start from. Um, Jacob right yeah and then they would like be in a strange land and all of that so all of this to just say that Isaac was playing out
1: part of he didn't actually talk about Jacob he only told um, Abraham that his children or his descendants were going to be slaves in a strange land for a hundred years so he didn't specifically like you know um, speak about the generation. You just spoke about the fourth descendant, yeah.
0: which was actually
1: not even Jacob. Jacob wasn't even the fourth descendant.
0: No, no, I'm not saying Jacob was the fourth. I'm just saying that as in that was like for us that we can trace it. That was the beginning of that mm. prophecy field. That's, that's really all I said.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, like he, he had no business, you know, he had no business living, um, but his sons were different. The sons were nothing like their father, their roles, their lives. They were actually nothing like Isaac in any way. Um, and so, yeah, he knew, he knew the role he played. He knew, you know, he knew his role. That was basically it for Isaac. He knew, he knew his role. He wasn't set up to be a nomad like his father, because that's not, he had no business being that, basically. Um, so yeah we see Jacob having this conversation with um we see him having this conversation with okay, having this conversation with Jacob I'm so sorry just my yeah this it. All right. All right. Okay, so we see him having this conversation with Jacob, and he gives him an instruction. But the interesting thing about the instruction that he gives Jacob is that embedded in his instruction is a blessing. So it says, so Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him, and then he commanded him. So it's in the obedience of the instruction, you know that um, the obedience of the instruction who birthed the blessing that he was giving to Jacob. So there was no way Jacob could stay in that land to be a beneficiary of the blessings that Jacob was given to, and Isaac was given to him. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense. Very welcome. Does
3: that
1: make any sense? Does anyone have any questions regarding that? anybody there
4: yeah
1: I'm here. does anyone have any question regarding that or does that make sense i just want to know so it makes okay.
4: sense
1: okay okay um okay so yes um tombra i i don't know who mentioned who mentioned um somebody mentioned uh I can't remember now. Somebody mentioned um, the blessings of Abraham, I said we'll go back here. Was Margaret? So um, let's take a second, which I know will take more than a second. Let's take a second to go back to um, Margaret. Did you find the scriptures? Or did you know brother checking it? One minute. Which one? The blessing of Abraham one, right? Yeah. One one. Uh, no, I didn't go back, but I can get it up now. Okay, so we'll start from Genesis twelve. Genesis twelve. Okay. <clears throat> Genesis twelve. Let's start to see there three. Mm. Yeah, Genesis twelve. Yes. Okay, Genesis uh, 12. Yeah, so please, okay, can we? Lord, from verse one. Yes, please. The Lord had said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you and make you famous, and you'll be a blessing to others. I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. That's the first portion. Mm -hmm. That's the first one, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So from... Verse 7. Yeah, from verse 7. Verse 7 now says, I'll give this land to your descendants, Okay, just I'll give this land to your descendants. Yeah, so this, and then what, what Abraham did, he... And then Abraham built an altar. Yeah, he built and then an he altar said there. It to God. God who had appeared to him there. Yeah. Um. So that was, you know, the first time we see that. Then the next chapter, we see that again. From
2: verse
1: 14. That's chapter
2: 3. Okay. Chapter 13, verse 14. 15,
1: verse 14. After, Lot, <clears throat> after Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abraham, as, look as far as you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west. I'm giving you all this land, as far as you can see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession and I'll give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. So go and walk through the land in every direction for I'm giving it to you. And then he built another altar as well. Mm, he built another altar and then he moved closer. He moved distant. You've come. Mm-hmm. He moved distant and then he built, a, where he built an altar to the you moved. Know, first time you see that he moved then the next time we see God blessing Abraham again, um, the next time we see Abraham being blessed is by Melchizedek. But then in chapter 15, God makes a covenant again with Abraham. Yes. Do not be afraid for I will protect you and your reward will be great. Mm. Look up into the sky again. and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you yeah. will have. Yeah. Then the word of the Lord came to Abraham, saying, This one will not be your, your heir, but one who comes from your own body will be yours. And the Lord took him outside and said, Now look up to the stars today. Verse 6 Abraham believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And the Lord also told him, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the power of Chaldeans. To give you this land to Jesus, um, and then in this conversation with God, um, and this scripture is very um, interesting because it somehow plays out in Jacob's experience as well. Um, and then Abraham replies in verse eight. Abraham replies, "Lord God, how can I know what I will, possess, how I will, that I will possess it?" And the Lord said to him, Bring me a fafer, a goat, and a ram, Mm -hmm. three years old, along with a turtle dove and a young pigeon. Mm -hmm.
5: So Abraham
1: brought all these things to him, split each of them down the middle, and laid the halves opposite each other. Mm
5: -hmm.
1: Now, I don't know if you've ever pictured this before. Um, I don't know if you've ever pictured this this part before. Um, But when, if you have... Okay. So I just want to share, I'm going to share a white screen board. So, so imagine this is a a pigeon and this is the half of it on this side. And then there's a the ram, it cuts the ram in two. And then this is the, uh, the half of the ram. And then there is a goat he cuts the goats, he puts them here. This is what Moses, sorry, Abraham was creating. And then a turtle dove, um, he split each of them down the middle, laid them up, and the birds, however, he did not cut in half. So he put the mm-hmm. birds in the middle because they are a whole, they are whole, sorry, they are not in half. And then when, um, you know, he divides them, this is how he divides them. Mm-hmm. Um and then, when Abraham drove away, as the sun was setting, Abraham fell into a deep sleep.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Suddenly, great terror and darkness overwhelmed him. Then the Lord said to Abraham, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated for 400 years. But I will judge the nation as that they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will depart in many with many possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at the ripe old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will return here, but the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And that's, you know, But yeah, I don't think we should go there today. Verse 17, when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, remember when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, behold, a smoking fire and a flaming torch appeared and passed through the half of the carcasses. This is basically what happens, right? Working. So what? this is what happened. Mm-hmm. i just do something. The so this is something. what happened yeah. in between, yeah? Mm-hmm. So now this thing that is happening, there's a word that sci-fi, sci-fi called, call it, Sci-fi. anybody tried to guess like in sci-fi movies there's a word that they call it who's a movie person here
0: i am but i have no idea <laughs> maybe when, she, when esther says the word then i will know it but right now not enough is, is,
1: is access for external bodies to come into this world and this for the body. Portal, the portal, earth. portal, right? Yes, yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> so that's basically what oh we see Abraham, Abraham creating. That's so good. You're such a movie person. <laughs> but that's basically what Abraham was creating here. That's what the your white anymore. Sorry? Okay. I your
0: wife, boy. Yeah, I, I just...
1: Know. Oh, you want to go back to it? Okay, I'll just draw it again because I wanted to... Write something else, but oh, no, yeah, it's fine, just fine. basically okay. Awesome. All right, so basically, um, what we see Abraham creates is a portal. And please, I want us to notice that Abraham is, um, you know, this happens at sunset, darkness had fallen, and then um, Abraham encounters God. Portal, portal. Abraham encounters God darkness has fallen, and this is after God gives or makes a covenant with him. So this is literally a covenant, you know. It's a, God is literally making a covenant with, with, with Abraham. And then we go to the next chapter. Um, my distinct reason? Oh, Amen. <clears throat> and this it, this is an an entirely different conversation, you know, because it's it also if we actually start talking about this, it would take us back to the roots of Abraham, who he was before God called him out. Um, before you finish, you know, hold on, please. I have a question. You know, so okay. I'm looking at it, and I, I thought that um, it was the fire that was the portal, mm-hmm. right? Well, how mm-hmm. come that verse twelve before the fire had come? You know, God showed mm-hmm. up because mm-hmm. was it was it the cutting that was the portal, or was it the fire that was the portal? Because from verse nine to verse eleven, we see the cutting mm-hmm. and Abraham chasing vultures. Then twelve now says, as yes. the sun was going down, Abraham fell into a sleep. In fact, when he I sleep, read it, yes. you know, in line with all the lessons we've been having about dreams, first thing that came to my mind was, okay, yes, he was in another realm, and then God mm-hmm. now appeared to him and told him what He told him. Then Verse mm-hmm. seventeen now says the sun goes down, darkness falls, and then Abraham sees fire mm-hmm. as a sign mm-hmm. of the covenant. So, at what point is the portal? Mm-hmm. I would think that it would be before verse twelve, the cutting. Yeah, it's the cutting. Okay. So when he creates it, that's when the conversation starts. Okay. you know, um, this this um this 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 word starts. And 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 literally, it's it's what the world has perverted, and they've called you know. I mean, it's what the world has perverted. We see this with witch doctors and all the stuff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, doing things like that. Um, you Guys, I'm sorry, my Bible is freeze. My Bible, my laptop is freezing. I'm sorry. There's a button in my laptop. <laughs> 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 um. Okay. So I'm just going to use my other Bible. Um. Okay, yes. So we see that with um, God, you know, having this conversation, this very intense, it's so intense, you know, this very intense moment with Abraham because, I mean, it takes a level of relationship for you to sit down with a God that will tell you that your children will be slaves for 400 years and you will not nag. You know, it's like, okay, all right, no problem. You know, it takes a level of of trust you know, and, and this is such a beautiful moment between Abraham and God. And he also talks about Abraham, the roots of, you know, Abraham, the person that he was. When we actually spend time studying the Abraham, you know, when we go through scriptures and read about his, his roots, you know, it's so interesting that, you know, Abraham was not always the Abraham that we knew. You know, Abraham was from an idolatrous family. Um, And these people were involved in pagan worship and all that stuff. So um, we see God call out this man, you know, from the most unlikely place. um, And then he actually sets him up and raises him to become the father of, you know, um, of the nation, basically become this man that we all talk about, you know. But then his, his foundation wasn't exactly you know clean and, and and i mean isn't that everybody isn't that all of us basically why is this thing freezing oh okay so yeah we see god's promise to abraham in this scripture then the next time we see that ishmael is born and we see ishmael you know the promise that god makes to ishmael's mother i don't even understand the promise you're know, saying that your son is going to live in from rebellion with his brothers. You know, it's like I, I feel like God was was so straightforward with these people, like it wasn't beating around the bush or anything. Um, and then in chapter 17, we see again the covenant that God makes with Abraham. This is when he changes his name from Abraham to Abraham, which is another conversation entirely. Um, which I feel like some point, we'll talk about it when we're probably talking about names because we always say, oh, God added H (laughs) to Abraham's name. But when we look at the Hebrew um, implication of the alphabet that was added to Abraham's name, you know, it's such a, it's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful, it's such a beautiful, it's so beautiful Um, to see God do the same thing because it's not coincidental. It adds the same, Word to Abraham and Sarah, you know, from Sarai to Sarah, which is the H, um, and it's it's just so interesting. But I mean, to the in the Hebrew language, that would be like a V, or what we'll call a V, as Abraham and Sarah. But um, yes, so he makes a new covenant with him, changes his name, and then, you know, as we go on and on, we start to see Abraham you know, um Isaac being born. Um when Isaac is born, you know, an instruction comes and then um God makes another covenant with Abraham when Abraham was um asked by the Lord to sacrifice Isaac and then he sacrifices Isaac or he's about to sacrifice Isaac and then a ram comes and then when this ram comes you know Um, God makes a covenant with him again He says in blessing I will bless you You know and I will multiply you And through you the earth Will be blessed You know he makes another covenant with Abraham So we see like this You know this process that Abraham Had and every time he had An encounter with God You know there was a blessing there was a promise Now We see Isaac now giving This blessing to so Jacob, right, and mm-hmm. then he says the blessings of Abraham are yours, and he doesn't necessarily talk about the blessings of Abraham. Or we're not told because I feel like the author just expects that. I, I mean, from everything that I've been telling you by mm-hmm. right now, you should know what it entails. You know, the mm-hmm. blessings of Abraham. Um, so he doesn't really talk about the blessings of Abraham. He just says the blessings of Abraham. I'm um, a promise to you. May you own the land where you are now living as a foreigner, for God gave this land to Abraham. So Isaac went. Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padanaram to stay with his uncle Laban, his mother's brother, the son of Bethuel the Aramean. Now we see again that you know Isaac has all of a sudden recognized that Jacob is the one you know is the chosen one. Um, for so many reasons. I mean, this guy, obviously, outside even being chosen, you know, um, we see that this this man, you know, already, um, t- he, has, he has decided to take up the responsibility. He has agreed. He's like basically saying, yes, I'm going to take up this responsibility you know, I want to do this, or I desire to do this. And in a sense, or in every sense, we see that he has a value, or he has a sense of value, you know, for the blessings. He has a sense of value for his heritage um, and what God is doing through his family. So he sets out to go, not necessarily like Abraham, but then he sets out to go with his father's blessing. You know, like Abraham, um, Jacob goes alone. Abraham went with his wife. He went with his uncle. Um, you know, went with his um, with Lot and Lot's family. So it was more of a you can say a caravan or like you know a group of people. But then Jacob goes alone. You know, and he's sent into this world that he has no idea <laughs> of. Like you know, it's like what am I going to do? How am I going to deal with this? Um, so we can imagine the state Jacob must have been. When he was leaving his father's house, Mm
5: -hmm.
1: you know, there must have been so much going on with him when he left his father's house, or going on in his heart, in his mind when he left his father's house. You know, um, so much must have happened. So many thoughts would have come. Um, But prior to the time we we were introduced to Jacob again, we see Almighty Esau now you know, saying, Oh, you know what, I'm going to add another wife, and he goes to marry Ishmael's daughter or granddaughter, knowing that, you know, this person has been living in open rebellion against his brothers. You know, so it's like he just takes it a notch further, like, you know, it's like, okay, what what's the what's what's beyond the Canaanite woman? You know, what else can I do? You know, and then he goes ahead and he, he marries this woman from Ishmael's um family but then this is the part that i i i am very excited about um from mm-hmm. verse 10 why my laptop is still putting please can anybody help read the scripture so from, mm-hmm. verse 10, from verse 10 yes meanwhile jacob left beersheba and traveled toward haran At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and laid down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamt of his stairway, dreams again, that reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather, Abraham, and the God of your father, Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Now, your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west and the east, um, to the north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I'm with you and I'll protect you wherever you go. One day I'll bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. So Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It's none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he had rested his head against and set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He named that place Bethel, which means house of God, although it was previously called Luz. Then Jacob made this vow: If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if He will provide me with food and clothing, I'll return safely to my and and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set will become a place of worship, a place for worshiping God and I'll present to God a a tenth of everything he gives me. Mm. Amazing. Thank you so much, Margaret. You're such a brilliant, you know, orator, reader. I don't know what they call it. Uh, (laughs) Oh, yeah, I, I, I know. Like, it's just like, oh, okay, let me do something nice, but until we go back, do you have a different, do you have a different opinion on Ayo? Uh,
0: I'm not sure yet, <laughs> but I tend to just take what I hear and then um, find out if what I heard is correct or not, so yeah.
1: Mm,
0: okay, okay. Because you I, understand yeah, I do actually, now I when I think of like the, definition of who Ishmael was but I always read that Mm -hmm. um, action in line with oh he was just trying to win like his parents approval but it was just the wrong action. Mm.
1: Yeah I I think so I think I agree with her it seemed to me like he was trying not to do Canaanites anymore and now decided to go with family so Mm. I think it was really because he, he had Poor perception, I don't think he had wrong intentions.
0: Yes. Exactly. That's that's mm. for me because that was the sense I always got every time I read that. Like, oh, they sent Jacob to Uncle, mommy's <laughs> uncle. So well, if I marry mm. daddy's uncle, like daddy's <laughs> uncle's daughter, then we're mm. in the same like ballpark, they should be happy with me now. But alas,
1: mm-hmm. not- yeah. But I mean, like when we now see what, you know, was said in chapter 27, because the, the actions of Abraham was very extreme just to separate these people from his son. Because before he died, um, it says that Abraham, this is twenty-five, chapter 25, you know, it says chapter 25 verse 9, it says his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in a cave. Oh, no, sorry, chapter twenty-eight, verse nine, and um, twenty-five, verse five. Abraham gave everything he owned to his son Isaac, but before he died, he gave gifts to the sons of his concubines and sent them off to a land away from Isaac. That is so intentional, like, or just so intentional. He sent them off to a land away from Isaac, and then when you now get to verse. 18, it says, Ishmael's descendants occupied the region from Abila to Shore, which is east of Egypt in the direction of Ashur. There they lived in open hostility towards all their relatives. Please, can you say the verse again? The, the verse chapter, chapter 18, 5,
0: 18. 6, 25. 18.
1: Okay. 5,
0: you, know, 18. you know, I think that we have more context now than Esau did. I, I truly mm. don't believe that he um had that depth looking at looking at his personality, he didn't seem to be if we were to put him in teenage Hollywood, it would be the joke with no brains, and Jacob would be the next are, are you sure are you yeah are you
1: sure because yeah, you, are, you sure? Because yeah. I, are you sure If he's because not, if if it's not the joke with no brains. Then he
0: will be no,
1: the manipulative jerk who ends up with no voice. Like, for me, for the me, truth I, is, when, I, it's, when it's actually clearly said that they lived in open hostility, it's different to actually say that they lived in hostility with their relatives, but they lived in, like it was very specific, they lived in open hostility towards all their relatives. Mm-hmm. And yes. so when, when you see people When Yeah, I guess when you think of the open hostility part, it now gives some more context to to his actions, but I I still think that it could mean maybe, possibly now, not absolutely, it's very possible that his actions were were because he was not sensitive, you know, and what comes to mind is stewardship, so, you know, and I think this is where it applies to all of us, as children of God, we have to be good stewards, so, you know, it was up to him to steward the information he had. So he probably didn't take it seriously. And he wasn't um, close to, well, from what we see, he, he didn't have the advantage that Jacob had, which was being close to his mom to say, do this or don't do that. So I think that stewardship thing was where he got it wrong. Whether or not his intentions were right or wrong, he didn't steward the information he he had right. That's what I think. And
0: I, I wonder what the depth of that re- rebellion because, I mean, Ishmael and Isaac buried their father together. So there obviously was some form of like, still talking or something, some form of tenuous relationship of some sort. And the Bible puts in, you know, the instruction of their father to Jacob to go marry from underland and him hearing that. And that being the next action it takes is also a very significant especially if like it was still in the period when he wanted the blessing and like between that period before he became like completely angry oh my brother has gotten everything so Mm. i honestly think that he was still in this place where he's thinking okay maybe if i do something then, like, they will love me or they would give me the blessing or something. Like, I will be able to please them if this is what it takes. Marry someone from the family as opposed to a Canaanite. Then mm. maybe I will please them. But like the last speaker just said, he had no idea, like, the mm-hmm. spiritual implications and, like, every other thing. He really had no idea. None. I don't think um, he knew. He had no idea ideas. of
1: the of the of the implication. Yes, he didn't. He had no the, the, idea of what he was doing.
0: The implication of what mm-hmm. he was doing is obvious. Even the Bible says it's like. Yeah. He really didn't use to count stuff because if he counted stuff, then he realized also what like selling his birthright really meant. It
1: mm-hmm.
0: seems like someone who doesn't count things.
1: Only when they've happened, then he now realizes in retrospect.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: You know, and that that place about the um him marrying, I think from the, my translation, it, it looked like, you know, he was he, he, he marrying Ishmael was in response to Jacob marrying the other guys, marrying Laban's daughter, and I think it's more. And I I, I can think of myself, I'm a first child. I have a younger sister. So I can think of it. If my sister, you know, were quarreling and she did something wrong and she now wants to go to Uncle, Uncle John's house, I wouldn't want to follow and go to the same Uncle John's house for something. I would want to go somewhere else. So I think it just highlights the fact that in a bit to do something, because he wasn't sensitive, he just went into the wrong boat. That's, that further probably worse. I it was. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. You're yeah, Can I say something? I also want you guys to think about the implications of marriage and marrying somebody at the time was also a form of creating alignment with them or alliance with them. Mm-hmm. So, when you marry somebody that is in open rebellion with his relatives, including your father, marrying his wife puts you in alliance with them, knowing that he has just it lost all of and he has lost. The animals. He has lost everything to his brother Hmm. because Esau was described as the as a skillful hunter. Mm
2: -hmm. But so
0: okay.
1: I leave the son. <laughs> no, it's not about, it's not about okay, but I just really want I, us to think about that because, like, you know, when he came back and he was crying to his father and he was like, oh, are you not going to give me anything at least? You know, Isaac told him that he has given everything. Um, he has given everything to, he says, your brother was here, he tricked me. Um... I have made Jacob your master, I have declared that all his brothers will be his servants. I have guaranteed him an abundance of grain and wine. What is left for me to give you, my son? But do you have only one blessing? His father says, You live away from the riches of the earth. You live by the sword. You will serve your brother. But when you decide to free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. You know, there was the implication of, like, there was the implication of. Marriage and the alliance that you know that was going to that was going to create, because when we now go further and see when Jacob came back to meet um, when Jacob comes back to meet Esau, you know he talks about Esau having all these men and all these things, and it's like the question of like how come how did this happen, you know. Because from the very beginning, you don't see that he has that. Everything that he had was going to his
0: father. I don't believe so, because if everything was handed over to Jacob, then why did he leave with nothing? If he left Jacob. with nothing, then it's some, someone got it. And yes. if someone got it, then probably Esau did. So there's also the, the yes. essence of,
3: i don't think he left empty-handed i think it's just the no you were saying something about um if jacob left empty-handed right? when he was going to his uncle's house yeah Then i don't think when we see like blessings or promises when they used to give them then i don't think it's the same way like we're saying it when they gave him the it promise, have taken it wasn't it because his father was not dead
1: he couldn't have taken it because his dad his father wasn't
3: dead.
1: So the like, I'm giving, even giving saying me.
3: that the blessing even transcended like presents material stuff that he had in his father's house.
0: Yeah, that was that was what I was trying but to explain. That the blessing was not the material world. It was the ability to be able to get material wealth and like the 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 spiritual relationship with God, the the um, personality that could transcend and become the generation that god wanted which is what i'm saying because esther or someone mentions that oh um we see that esau had become a great nation by the time jacob came back to the land and i was saying that a part of his becoming a great nation would not only have been his marriage if at all his marriage was also done for such strategic reasons as becoming a strong nation it would also have included his father's wealth, which he definitely would have inherited after his father died, and Jacob was not around. So
1: well, no, no, no. See, the wealth that he gave Jacob in the previous chapter was material. It was purely material. And he told he told Jacob that he was giving him everything, like he was giving him the um, the wines, the grains, he gave him everything literally that his father gave to him. But if we look at the prodigal son, you see how wealth was separated at the time in the Jews um, the Jewish tradition until the father dies, the son cannot take anything from the father because the father it 's when the father dies that he divides his um, his um, wealth to his children. When Jacob left his father, his father wasn 't dead. So he couldn't have taken anything because his father was still alive. Even with David, when David was about to die, you know, it was at the point where he knew he was going to die for sure that he told Solomon to ride on his cult. Um, and, and Solomon riding on his cult was a message that everybody got that, yes, Solomon was the chosen king following the death of David. So at the time Jacob was leaving his father's house, his father wasn't dead. So he couldn't have taken anything. Actually
3: because uh, we'll in thirty five Jacob already returned with his wives and his children and everything. And his father had never died. His father died in thirty five. He returned he also returned in thirty five where it was before. So I guess he could have actually come to my take back to bell. So I don't think was prosperity had anything to do with Jacob's what Jacob left behind. Like what Isaac left behind for Jacob. Because even but- if Try to take it. Rachel was still alive. She was Rachel. Rachel is his mother. Yeah, oh, Rebecca. Rebecca. Sorry, Rebecca was very very But I don't, I don't feel like Esau's wealth had anything to do with Jacob's stuff. Like Jacob obviously could have not taken it. But I don't even think Esau could have now also taken it as well. Okay, can I say something? Two things. First of all, um,
1: it's, it's, I don't know, I'm guessing from the little I know of the, their culture so they probably lived, let's say in a compound with tents you know, and so um, even though he was you could say because he had, let's use the word rebelled and went to align with um the Ishmaelites you could say that he still lived with his family and with Isaac, so yes. I'm thinking even if he wasn't the one that was pronounced Um, That Blessing was pronounced over he still had Access especially since Jacob Had left and gone to um, To Laban's house And I think it makes some sense Mm -hmm. that um, Someone here said sorry I'm not Looking at the name so that's right someone else uh, Mentioned that um, The the blessing could have been intangible So I think yes that the blessing Is both tangible and intangible so that's Why Mm -hmm. even when they Sent him to go to um, Laban's House or Laban's um, household and they didn't send him with anything the blessing was sufficient enough to keep him and we see that he still got blessed in that place even though he went with nothing so I think that Esau's wealth could have been his father's wealth because he was still living there from what we see in scripture it could have been you know maybe from his um, in-laws from whatever but I don't think that 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 I don't know if there is any huge thing that we can draw from there that's the first thing. Then the second thing mm-hmm. I want to say is for Ayo, I, I think Ayos, um I'm uh, Esther, I think IOS I Ayo is thinking, Io correct me if I'm wrong. Ayo is thinking we're demonizing um Esau. And I don't think that's what's happening. <clears throat> so I, I think Ayo, you need to see that there's a difference between or there's a distinction between um the consequence of evil marriage and the intention to marry the intention to have the how do I put it there's a difference between the consequence and the 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 knowledge of the consequences so I think Esther is just making us see that the marriage was hugely significant whether Esau knew it or not and then what both of us I think are saying is that it looks like he was not aware of the significance that Esther is trying is. to make us see. And I... That's, I, I,
0: I, that's, really, it. that's really all of this. <laughs> that's <laughs> like the entire discussion that it, his marriage was not to spite his parents. It was to get like their approval, maybe a last ditch effort in reaction to their telling their second son to marry away from the farm, like away from the Mm -hmm. land. And unfortunately, unfortunately, the repercussions of that were not what he was expecting. That's Mm -hmm. that's really what my argument has been. So it's not, I don't even believe that Esau is being demonized. I mean, his character is his character. We cannot change that. But my own issue was the statement of that marriage, you know, being strategic Mm -hmm. to to sort of be a slap in his parents' face, and I really don't believe so.
1: Hmm. Okay, what I mean, what I meant when I said that is he clearly saw his father specified um, where his brother could get married to, and pleasing his father would look like going to that same place to get married to them. But then if we follow the story of Ishmael, we will see that his descendants were in clear rebellion or hostility towards their their, their, their family. In that the father had to, Abraham had to send them far away, you know, just so that they could be away from Isaac. And then knowing that, you know, going back to that family to get married and then bringing them to your father's house. To me, that just sounds like rebellion. Because if you wanted to get married, or you wanted to do it right. Doing it right would look like asking your your parents, okay, if I want to get married now, where do you want me to get married from? But then it's like this person that is independently making choices and making decisions, especially when the the subject matters are not hiding or they are not, you know, hidden. Their actions are not hidden. You know, their actions are in plain sight. But on the other hand, you know, it's not an... Imposition position on what you believe, you know, basically, because how I see study is, this is what I see, and you might see something else, and it's okay, you know, but I don't think that, you know, saying, um, I, it's not about putting anybody's, um, you know, um, conviction, um, it's not about putting anybody's convictions down, I'm not trying to put down your conviction or anything, I'm just saying from my own perspective, it's not like a sentimental thing, it's seen. Um, you know Ishmael and his and his family and what scriptures recorded about them. Mm-hmm. You know before he was even born. You know when the angel encountered Hagar, there was an there was a word that he gave and he said he would live by the sword mm-hmm. and he would be in open rebellion. You know to his to his to people or to men. And then seeing that fulfillment in chapter twenty five, I feel like it was significant that that was kept there. You know that this was actually said about Ishmael and this was fulfilled, you know, and then going down again to see Esau going to that place to get married from that land or from that family, you know, to me, I just felt like that's something that you cannot just ignore. Like there is no way you wouldn't know that there are consequences to that kind of union. That's basically what I was trying to say. I I, I think, I, I think, um, I, I get you both clearly sure. from what you just said now I think the only thing that would um, uh, I I think what one um, addendum to what you said that would make it um, a little that is what acceptable for IO is the fact that yes there were huge consequences that he was probably very blind just like um, you know the same blindness that made him go and marry these Hittite women in spite of what the, the tradition of his his family the same blindness that would have made him disregard his birthright not that he, he 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 didn't see the weight of the matters of all those things not like he was saying you know what father guess what i'm going to marry ishmael and you can't do nothing about it he probably didn't do that he probably just said no, let me marry who do i marry hey, Uncle ishmael. and he didn't think of how heavy or how much that could affect, especially with the prophecies that had gone forth and the you know all of that. So I think I I, I see where, where coming from, and I don't think they are divergent opinions, you know, that there's just that missing link, which is the intention. Um, I think mm. from the way you're sounding, Esther, it sounds as though you're saying it couldn't have been unintentional. And Ayo is saying it was probably unintentional. And mm, I think it was unintentional. He was not
3: sensitive. Can you say something? I feel like whether it was unintentional or intentional, I think this is one of the reasons why God says like ignorance is still no excuse. That like, people perish because of ignorance. Okay. Because when I read it, I was like, this boy is not really smart because I don't understand like, what kind of behavior is this? like your parents are really tired of one set of people. You're not gonna bring another people to that and then I feel like in their culture, they used to pass on a lot of stories. Like, it's not like they were not ignorant. They were not ignorant of like, stories of their family, of their family history. Of So I don't feel like he would have not heard it before, but it was just very flimsy. I feel like he was a, flimsy as a person, flimsy with his decision. Because even if it was not intentional, mm. and then even if it was intentional, it was so ignorant that he could not process it. Like, he had already, like, he, and he was never learning from his lesson. The first one is birthright. I don't think he processed it. He did not process it. He was flimsy with that one. it got him in trouble, kind of. He mm. lied again about Jacob stealing his lesson or whatever. He's even his wife that he married, he was very flimsy about this. Because he could not think that nobody in my family has ever married from this school. And then this is quite a lot of trouble to my family members. He Did not think about that one. This same one now, they are telling him not to marry someone. I don't know. It was just very up and down. Like he was not sitting down to think about anything. It was very stressful mm-hmm. Like he He's was just strange. like he was just very flimsy. And then it's actually it's like a warning minute, to me too. Because sometimes you do some things, and then you know, you feel like oh, okay, I can mean, did you think about this thing for you did? I just realized that is as long, even if like even if you make a decision out of like Now, the best thing mm-hmm. I could explain to myself was that even, like, he's, like, saying that um, because I don't know I have cancer in my body, it's not going to do anything to me. Like, mm-hmm. we can't even use that unintentional, intentional thing to even mm-hmm. judge. He made a bad decision, point blank. Now, the yes. problem is he did not even know the consequences, which is another problem, I feel like, like, making it strong without clearly defining the consequences. I feel like, as much as Jacob, seems to have been very, I don't know, I don't know how to describe him. He still, he was still a little bit slower processing stuff. Because like, when his mother even told him to, to um, take his place of his stuff, of his he had already thought about it that this could potentially bring a cost Because he knew that it is not good to steal somebody else's blessing. So he now asked his mom that, ah, that why is this? And then she now said that, I will take your cause upon myself. I think that one just say, I think she's saying that she will take it, I will go. So I feel like this intentional, intentional thing step in their story, is to make it yes. bias towards like the real lesson of the consequences, that there is the always a consequence behind every action. Like I mean you got judges according to the like is the consequences that actually affects you in the end. Most, mm. so I like, think. Exactly.
1: Sorry, I feel like wrong. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ayo. Thank you, uh, Margaret. Thank you for The truth is, we can sit down here and go back and forth because um we we can go back and forth like oh I believe I don't believe I believe I don't believe um but truly the bottom line is that there was there was consequence whether it was um intentional or it was not intentional and in all honesty. There, this particular conversation is a conversation that you know I have seen, I have read so many articles by different type by different rabbis, the midrash and the Aggadah. They'll tell you that some people say, oh, it was intentional. Some people say it was not intentional. So what is happening now is actually not different from you know this is basically what this is basically what you know this is what we get when we're studying scriptures. It's just like Okay, it's and it's very open ended. You know, there's not you don't see a verse nine b saying oh and Esau was forgiven or and Esau plotted to kill his father with Ishmael. Like there's nothing like that. So it's just open ended, and everybody is. I mean, you can say oh I think he's intentional. I think he's not intentional. But I think that um, the distraction might now be that because he now takes away the fact that there was consequence for what he did um basically there was consequence for what he did. Um yeah. Umide, are, are you is is are we good to move?
2: <laughs> so.
1: please let's move. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So yeah, we see the marriage to you know Ishmael's daughter and then it's it becomes you know this whole thing that has led to today and so intentional or non-intentional, we might never know um, if he was trying to be on their good side, he was trying to be repentant. You know, there are people that actually talk about it, that, oh, Mahalat means pardon. And then that means that Esau was trying to get pardon from his family. So he did not do it intentionally. And that might seem like a good choice, but then at the end of the day, there are still consequences for that. Um, okay, yeah. So, verse 10, Jacob left the Sheba, set out for Haran. On reaching a certain place, he spent the night there because the sun had set. I was actually going to ask if you know, highlighted things that. Yeah.
0: Am I allowed to interrupt and just drop a thought? Okay. Okay, so when you said um, Mahalat meant pardon, the thought mm. that came in for me was that we must choose to receive our pardon the way that God has stipulated if, um, if uh, what's the word now if Isaac is a type of father who gives instruction then we must accept that how we get pardon from God is not how, by, on the basis of our belief but on the basis of his own terms yeah. so yeah that was just it.
1: yeah that's a very good one Thank you. That's a very good one. Thank you, Pa. Okay. Um, so meanwhile, Jacob left Bathsheba and left and set out for Haran. Um, on reaching a certain place, he spent the night there because the sun had set. And taking one of the stones from that place, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. And Jacob had a dream about the ladder that rested on the earth with its top reaching up to the heaven and God's angels were going up and down the ladder and there at the top the Lord was standing and saying I am the Lord the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac I will give you and your descendants land on which you now lie your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and the east and north and south all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring look I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And Jacob woke up he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was unaware of it. He was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place. There is none other than the house of God. This is none other than the house of God. Um, this is the gates of heaven. So please, if you can remember the conversation that we had around Abraham encountering God. Um, can we start drawing like similarities between that and his experience?
0: Okay. Can I try? Can I go on? So, like, once you just said that, like, what came to mind was you know, like, when you were explaining about Abraham, when. He experienced God and God gave him the blessing. You were drawing the
1: um basically the animals that God told him to you know cut in half here yeah, and you he explained about it being a portal. And then here also mm-hmm. we can see that when Nicole also experienced mm-hmm. God I think like with the ladder and everything that was also like a portal that was yeah, I guess so. that's what
0: I wanted kind of
1: bring out as a
0: similarity that happened here. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, thank you, exactly. Exactly, exactly. Thank you so much for that, for highlighting that. Yes, so who else wants to try?
0: Sorry, I just wanted to say that um, from the scripture in Genesis that I read earlier where Abraham encountered God, mm-hmm. he, he built an altar, you know, after, and then I see later, after, like, when Jacob
1: had the dream and then he woke up, he also did the same thing, building an altar and naming the place as Bethel, which I think means God, is, I can't remember what it means, but yeah, so I see that similarity. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm the Place that he built the altar, yeah, definitely. It's definitely that. that. Who wants to again?
0: I have a question. I I really can't remember, and I haven't
1: um, seen that part. Please, was there any significant Mm -hmm. encounter between Isaac and God? Yes, there was. Please, what chapter?
0: chapter...
1: Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. No, not twenty-seven. Sorry. Before twenty-seven, 26. But it wasn't like as profound as his father.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or oh. it was a female, like actually covenant feast to celebrate the treaty and morning, warning Isaac he only made, wrote, he only made an oath with Abimelech but okay. well, I don't see anything in particular with Isaac actually okay. well, I don't see anything particular yeah
0: I'm not sure what parts of scripture they are but the parts where um, he was told not to strive over the well. Mm, be- and something about dwelling in the
1: land, I'm not sure. Chapter 26. Gosh. Do not go down to Egypt, because, as I tell you, leave here as a in the land. When he encounters, move to Gera where like the king, the Lord appeared to him. That's chapter 26. The Lord appeared to me, Do not go down to Egypt. Do as I tell you, leave here the corner. I will be with you, I will bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give you all the sons to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham the father. Um, so Isaac stayed in Gera. Immediately, Abimelech called for Isaac and exclaimed, she's obviously your wife. Yeah, chapter 26. That's from 26. Yeah, twenty-six verse one to six. But I I yeah, but compared to like his father and Jacob, his was not as you know, but it was equally as relevant. Was equally relevant. Okay. Um, I think um, let me just say something. From verse thirteen to fifteen. Just I think give a a a, a brief summary mm-hmm. of all the blessings that God gave, promises mm-hmm. slash blessings that God Abraham God gave Abraham, and it looks to me like God affirmed what or confirmed what Isaac had given Jacob in this moment. Mm. Yes. Then verse
0: 23 also tells us of another encounter Isaac had. So I just wanted to point that out as well.
1: I'm abandoning the one. He moved and dug another world. Sorry. You said 20 what?
0: From verse 23, so chapter 26 from verse 23, we see um, after that the Lord appears to him again. You know.
1: At last the Lord has created. Sorry, verse 23. Where the Lord has put him on to his arrival and God. No, I think like, this is down a down down of what's God. Yeah, but this is a reiteration of what God said to him in verse 2. That's for Isaac, right? Yeah, it's a reiteration of what God said to him in verse 2. No, because
0: in, at the beginning he was in Jera, and then he is in um. The the shepherd. Shepherd.
1: And oh, then the Lord appeared so and okay. said, I would go Yeah, so there me. are
0: two different appearances. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, two different ones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, please, um, because of time, so we don't just stall on what you know. Um, what else do, do does anybody have anything they see here before we go forward? I find it interesting that
3: they're both asleep. That they were both
1: what? Asleep. Yeah. Yes. they were both asleep.
2: Is Emma, I'm a and bummy. No, I spoke earlier,
0: I think. <laughs> what Was that me? Are you asking me? Again?
2: No, I'm talking to Timber.
1: Okay, so please, um, just so that we can manage time, if anybody has anything to say, please just use your virtual hand, um, just so that because like the interjection makes me lose my train of thoughts. I'm just so chapter in this verse, we're talking about Jacob's ladder, um, and you know, um, Jacob is in. Yeshiva said for Haran, on reaching a certain place. Um, He spends the night there because the sun had set. Now, this word, um, a certain place, is a word that we might not really pay so much mind to because we think that it's not relevant. But um, the Hebrew word for a certain place is a makom. And a makom is, it means three things. It means a place, a spot, or a condition. So a place, a spot, or a condition. Amakom is spelled H-A-M-A-K-O-M. H-A-M-A-K-O-M, Amakom. And it means a place, a spot, or a condition. So when we see it as a place, a spot, or a condition, you know that um, it's like basically what we've spoken about in terms of like studying and like how to study. So you see like the first first, um, surface meaning and then there's a spiritual depth to it, and then there is the application. So it's how, what exactly is this about? What exactly is going on here? Um, what are the spiritual significance of this? And how does this affect me? So when we look at scriptures in those three um, ways, you know, we find it easier to apply it to our lives. on reaching a certain place, or reaching a certain hamakom, or reaching a hamakom He spent, the night there because the sun had set. Now, if you remember with Abraham, when Abraham had the encounter with God, it was at sunset and it was darkness that came. It says, night or darkness came upon Abraham. Now, as insignificant uns- as, as that might seem, it was very, very significant in that when Jacob left and set off around, he reaches this place or he reaches a hamakom Now, we might look at it as a place, an actual place, but then we should always also look at it as a spiritual or a place that has spiritual significance and also has a personal application in that it wasn't just about the place as in the physical place, but about a state or the condition that Jacob was in. He spent the night there because the sun had set because the sun has set. If we're looking at the Jewish calendar, when we go back to Genesis 1, we see that you know there was the um, utilization of the lunar calendar. When we're looking at the lunar calendar, it means that sunset is the beginning of a new day. Um, it's like in Nigeria, we have 12 a.m., um, but according to the lunar calendar, 6 p.m. is the beginning of a new day. So now that it is Saturday in Nigeria, in Israel, it is... Saturday started last like Saturday started yesterday at 6 p.m. So now we're seeing that play out here. We're seeing that he reached a certain place. I remember I said a place, a spot, or a condition. Jacob spent the night there because the sun had set. The sun has set mean it was a new dawn, or it was about to go into a new dawn, or it was the beginning of a new day, the beginning of a new day not necessarily the physical aspect, but we see that after Jacob experiences God here for himself for the very first time, Jacob is not the same person that he was when he was in his father's house. And taking one of the stones from that place, he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. When we go through scriptures, we see that the stones has always been a symbolism of or serve as witnesses, or a form of memorabilia. And um, we see that play out with Abraham when he encountered God several times. We see that when he set up a stone or an altar after he um, saw the ram before sacrificing Isaac. We see that again the other times that he encounters God. We see that with the Israelites when they were leaving. Um, Egypt, you know, um, several times they create like you know memorabilia. When they were about to cross Jordan, the Lord asked them to set up a memorable or a memorial stone in the middle of Jordan, um, because obviously Jordan was not a place where anybody could cross. You know, it was a place that, um, you know, that God made way for them in the waters, um, and then he asked to make a memorial, a memorial stone there. And when they came out, he also asked that they, make, they made a memorial stone and inscribed the commandments, you know, on it. Um, another thing that we see with stones is in the eastern part of the world, whenever, you know, somebody was condemned to death, for example, with Jesus, when they brought the adulteress and they were going to stone her to death, the reason they actually use stone is to serve as witnesses, um, you know, serve as witnesses to the crime or that you have committed a crime against that land and the stones are going to serve as witnesses. And we see Jesus also speaking about that in his entrance into Jerusalem when he says the stone will cry out um, and praise, or the stone will cry out in thanksgiving if the people refuse to do so. Now, it was always a symbolism of, or one of the symbolisms of stones in scriptures was to serve as witnesses. So we see that here again, the stones from that place and he put his head on and he lay down to sleep. The same thing that happened to Abraham before God established a covenant with Abraham. So before I go on, I'd like to ask if there's any comment, feedback, or questions. Does anyone have any questions, any comments, or any feedback regarding a certain place, regarding sunset or night? Okay. So, and Jacob had a dream about a ladder that rested on the earth with its top reaching up to heaven. And God's angels were going up and down the ladder. Now, Jacob had a dream about a ladder. So when we look at this part, you know, um, it's one thing to see that it's a ladder. It's another thing to ask what the function or what the ladder actually symbolized or who the ladder was. Um, And looking at the fact that he was in a condition, it was nighttime, which was nighttime was always a transition. Um, Nighttime was always a time for, you know, several things. Nighttime could symbolize transition. It could symbolize a time for judgment. It could symbolize a time for rest. It could symbolize a time, you know, God's visitation. Um, But either ways, we see that, you know, He's in a particular place, a particular spot, or in a particular state of mind, and then he spends the night there before the sun had set. So it wasn't just about the time, it was about the condition of the state or what he was about to transition into. Now, Jacob had a dream about a ladder that rested on the earth. Um, When we think about a ladder, what do we think about?
4: It's on. Sorry, I have a question, but like, I've been thinking about how to bring it since, and it just came to me. Can I can I go back to it? I'm sorry.
0: Okay. Thank you. Um, it's
4: about um the place where, I'm sorry, this is so back. The place where um Abraham. Uh, opened a portal,
1: you know, which is sacrificed, right? So
4: I wanted to ask that,
1: was that a one-time thing or is it that every time an altar is made or like a sacrifice is made, a portal or a gateway is opened because the Israelites were always sacrificing stuff. Did they always, mm-hmm. open, did they always mm-hmm. open a portal or was it just a one-time thing Abraham I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to ask. I get you. Okay. I get you. Was it just a one time thing? I mean, in that case, that was always recorded, but obviously we know that Abraham had more communication than, you know, more people had at the time. So definitely, um, in that case, that was open specifically for the covenants that God wanted to make with him, not necessarily. Um, for him to have access to God, but for that particular moment, you know, it's like so. For example, it's like in the world now, we they have days where people cast spells, and before they cast spells, they have to do all sorts of things to open the air, the airwaves or make the atmosphere accessible. Does that make sense at all? So it doesn't mean that they don't do it every other day. But then for that particular day, it's like when something very, it's like a significant you know, moment or a significant activity. Um, so its it doesn't mean that they don't do it every other time. But then on that particular day, they actually do all this funny stuff you know, to get what they want to do. Um, it just has more impact. Um, so we see that Abraham had a com- communication he had, like he walked with God. He walked closely with God. You know he was bargaining for a, a whole city, um, but on this particular day, God wanted to establish something new, something different with him, um, and and hence this the the um, requirements that the Lord asked that he okay. represented. So like was it only was it only open like because it was something like God had had instructed him to do like. Yes. i got already mm-hmm. w- wanted to like introduce him to something new. So like that was why mm-hmm. it was open up. Mm-hmm. I think, um, yes, I
2: so, thank
1: you. what do you say? I said, I think I understand. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Okay, yes. So uh I see the um the comments access yes connection ability um you know there was an exercise that i shared in the group during the week you know for those of us that actually tried or attempted to do it we'll see that you know this would have brought about something or sparked something in, in our hearts um and i think bami mentioned it i can't remember but you know thinking about ladder we think about elevation. We think about access, like someone rightly pointed out. We think about access. We think about elevation. We think about connection. um, We think about a joining. Um, So literally, we see the scripture, Jacob had a dream about a ladder that rested on the earth with its top reaching up to heaven. Now, there is a connection or there is a joining between heaven and earth. And then he sees angels ascending and descending. So what is the first thing that comes to heart about what is happening
2: there now? Or what
1: what word would you will you use for something that creates a connection, something that creates a joining? What word will we use?
3: I still say portal.
1: That makes when it I easy. Put
3: a a portal.
1: Exactly. Yes, that's that's basically yes a bridge you know it's a bridge you know um, and so basically what we're seeing again it's it's a portal because then we see that in John 1 verse 51 Jesus says that you know upon this son of man you will see angels ascending and descending and obviously Jesus doesn't talk about the ladder he says like him right now I am the ladder right now I am the portal I am the connection I am the bridge You want to say something? No, sorry, it's a little not too serious. I just remembered that song, "Follow the Ladder." Yes, yeah, basically. Every time I, every time, yeah. Don't worry. Every time I teach this, somebody always sings the song. (laughs) Our Lord Jesus is our ladder. Yeah. If I've I've heard the song. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, anyways, John one, verse fifty-one. We see Jesus talking. Mm -hmm. Someone say something. Okay, so in John 1, verse 51, we see Jesus saying that, I tell you, you will see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So I want us to also take note of the movement. The movement is ascending and descending. So for something to ascend, it means that there is a descension. There is already a descension. So it's moving from downward up. Um, not upward down, so they are not coming down. They are going up and coming down, meaning that already in that place there were activities. There was already a, you know, it was already a portal. But then it was not something that Jacob had an access or had access to until he had this vision. Now he sees angels going up and down the ladder. You know, it also talks about, you know, the creation or or, or man as a the desire of god of basically from the very beginning it's always been the desire of god to make man you know um, carriers of his glory. And then when God expresses himself through humans, you know, you can say to an extent, not even to an extent, you can say that that man has become a portal. That man has become a portal of the heavenlies, you know, it's a joining you know, or where heaven and earth actually kiss or where heaven and earth actually meet. And so we see Jacob experiencing this. He sees a ladder. He sees a bridge, he sees a journey, he sees a portal, you know. And when you see a ladder, you know, it's an invitation to ascend. Because when we look at the same principle, when we're talking about mountains, you know, we talk about Moses going up a mountain, Abraham going up a mountain, Jesus going up a mountain, Elijah going up a mountain. We see these people going up the mountain. We see... um you know, Habakkuk talking about standing upon his watch, you know, um, when we're describing that you're literally seeing like standing upon a tower to actually see and to watch. So there's literally like, you know, an ascension when we're looking at a ladder. And then another thing that we see is that God is at the top of the ladder and God is talking to Jacob. Now, Jacob is right here, you know, at the bottom of the ladder and he's seeing the angels ascending and descending. But what we're also seeing here, other than what Jacob was seeing, was an invitation to ascend, an invitation to come up higher. And we see that, you know, this begins the very birth or the process of Jacob's um, transfiguration or Jacob's transformation, you know, when it starts from here, like this is the beginning. And then the next time Jacob comes, you know, have a profound encounter with God, you know, is when he's fighting with the angels, which I, I thought we we're all we were going to cover today, but I kid, um, you know, and then his name changes. It becomes, a, I mean, he's given a different um, identity. So literally, Jacob having a dream about a ladder, he was seeing a bridge, he was seeing a call to ascend, a call to come up higher. He was also seeing a portal where the heavens was meeting with the earth, you know. And this also talks again about, you know, if we're if we're even applying it to ourselves or we're applying it to how this plays out in scripture, we see how Mount Sinai, that was an ordinary mountain, becomes such a prominent mountain once God descends upon it to give Moses the Torah. We see the same thing with Moses um walking in uh, you know the 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 you know, the wilderness, when he was actually taking care of the lamb and, you know, he was going through this place, Um, you know, the, the bush. And that wasn't just a bush, it was a thorny bush. Um, and the name of the plant, I, I think I've said this several times, the name of the plant in that place was snare, S-N-E-H. And snare is a type of plant that has seeds that are oily. And that area is typically hot, like very, very hot. So literally, um, the seas because they are oily. When the sun scorches, or when the the, the heat of the sun, you know, um, touches the sea because of the oily nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very sure we've seen that when we we're cooking before. So when the oil meets with you know heat you know you just so basically when it explodes so what it does is that it pops mm-hmm. and then it moves to another place and that's how the seed spreads so when it pops you know it catches like it's literally set on fire for a very short or very brief time and then it moves to another place and literally that's what this place looks like and this wilderness looks like or this this field looks like so we see Moses looking at something that seemed very ordinary But because he actually paused to look in deeper, you know, he was able to see the extraordinary, which was the bush that was burning longer than normal. It wasn't the burning bush that was extraordinary. It was the length at which the bush was burning that actually caught Moses' attention. And when he went closer to it, you know, he encountered God. And, and, you know, so we see that again, you know, Jacob encountering God in a seemingly certain place, in a place called Hamakom. A certain place, an everyday place, a condition or a seemingly, you know, um, everyday condition, you know, a seemingly everyday everyday spot. You know, you see him encountering God here. And in this place, God is saying, you know, come up higher. And he's also opening his eyes to see the activities of the heavenlies, you know, just where he was. And it wasn't just about the area. Obviously, heaven wasn't working on the area, heaven was. Working, you know, doing a work in in Jacob. And so we see the angels going up and down, meaning that they were always there. And then that work was, um, you know, was set to be. And then we also see the intentionality of God, you know, meeting Jacob in this certain place, um, you know, which might seem very, again, might seem very ordinary. And so and there at the top the Lord was standing saying I am the Lord the God of your father Abraham. Now when the Lord says I am the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac, he doesn't say the God of your father Abraham and the God of your father Isaac he says I'm the God of your father Abraham. Now a significance that we see here is that God is in you know God is revealing a template to Jacob. Now Jacob's life is closely patterned you know after the life of abraham not his father isaac sorry pardon me. Are, you, are you talking of verse 13 yes verse 13 okay my yes. my my name says abraham and isaac as well okay no does it say the god of your father abraham or the god of your father abraham and isaac Okay, the, the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. But does it say Isaac, your father? No. Yeah, that's. Yeah. So but NL, NLT, says, NLT says grandfather Abraham. Abraham, God of your father. Of course, Abraham, NLT will say that. But um, if we check, like, you know, other translations, you yeah, see all, NLT, all NLT all of us yes. say father, alone. father Abraham, yeah, yeah. Wow. father, Abraham, father. But then he says, I'm God of your father, Abraham, and God of Isaac. And, um, you know, and this is very, very intentional because it's not just about Abraham, your father, because obviously we know Abraham doesn't birth Jacob. But then Jacob's story, Jacob's life closely mirrors, you know, um, his grandfather, Abraham. And in that moment, it will serve as a source of comfort for him because this is an uncertain or an uncharted territory Mm -hmm. for him. He has always been in those days. He has always been with his mother, you know, and then being out here in the wild, in the world, you know, um, and, and, and God saying these things to you about descendants. You know, it's just like one minute, you're just the everyday guy. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have like, the media chasing you around everywhere you go. It's like, it can get very overwhelming. One minute you're like the guy, the quiet guy, and then all of a sudden it's like God is appearing to you. God is saying all these things to you. But then, you know, I'm the God of your father, Abraham. At that point, that is who Jacob can connect to the most because of what he's going through or because of the journey that he has embarked on. Um, And then he says, I will give you and your descendant the land on which you now lie. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you spread out to the west and east and north and south. Um, all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Um, and this is basically the blessings of Abraham that you know, Jacob gives and that Isaac gives him. And we see that you know, in the previous chapters. That we've heard. Um, as we as it says, look, I'm with you and I will watch over you wherever you go. And I'll bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Now, in verse 15, we see promises that God now makes specifically to Jacob. I am with you, first one. I will watch over you wherever you go. The second one, I will bring you back to this land, which is return. The third one and the fifth one is, the first one is, I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And when Jacob woke up, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. And I was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate, the gate of heaven. So, yeah, we see that his experience here in a certain place, or what scriptures would call a certain place. Um, like I said, um, Hamakom, there are You know, yeah, anyways, so it's a certain place I'm a com, and this can either be a spot, a condition, or a place. And then, if we're looking at this story, we're, we're seeing just Jacob's experiences. Um, by the time we round up, please, I would encourage everyone to just think about this or ponder about the time you've had your own ladder experience. It doesn't have to be, oh, seeing a ladder or anything, but when you found God in a seemingly uncomfortable or, you know, on a seemingly new place, or should, would I say a dark place or a time where you had to do something or start something that you've never done before, an uncomfortable place, a place you're not familiar with. And, you know, when you actually encounter God um, in this place that it literally, you know, served as your God um, story or your God moment, um, but we see ourselves in this story. We see ourselves, and I don't know how many of us, but we see ourselves in this story. We've seen ourselves, you know, when just literally at sunsets before beginning a new dawn or be, before starting something new or going into a new phase of our life or a new step or a new time in our lives, you know, um, I believe each and every person has been at this point, you know, being here one at one point or the other, um, you know, and then, this, this symbolizing or seeing the ladder, we see that, you know, it was also God on one hand, God is saying, come up higher, because that's what a ladder is for, a ladder is for climbing. We see God saying, come up higher, you know. But then it also, um, when we also look at our lives, we we'll see like there are times where we felt like God is not speaking to us, or God is not communicating with us, or we're not hearing from God. Um, in those times, you know, um, it can seem very lonely, it can seem very uncertain, especially if you're one that has actually developed a culture, you know, of communing with God at time. So now seeing that, you know, um, this is something that I am experiencing, and I've never been here before, I've never heard from God, what is happening, or the interesting thing is, knowing that, you know, we have Christ that has now revealed himself as our connection with the Father, as the way to the Father. You know, we see him as the way, and then we see that we have that empowerment by the Holy Spirit. In those times, what the Lord is actually saying to us is to come up higher. And how do we come up higher? It's by staying in the place of tarry or tarrying in a place, you know. And then also in that place of tarry, we receive instructions and that we have to obey. And in most cases than none, in all cases actually, obedience always leads to an ascension. There is an ascension that happens when we're called into obedience. There's an ascension that occurs when we obey. And, you know, in, in, in that place of obedience, what most people experience is a new way that God speaks to them a new way. That God communicates with them a new way. That God communes with them. There are some people that have actually, you know, just by obeying, oh, I have dreams. I document my dreams. I write my dreams and all that stuff, you know. And then all of a sudden, in, in the place of stewardship or in the place of, you know, just consistently stewarding what you're experiencing, you realize that it starts to evolve sometimes. You're not just having dreams. You're having vivid encounters. Sometimes you're having out-of-body experiences. Sometimes you're having all these things, you know, where it doesn't, it's not just about what I am seeing when I shut my eyes, but then it's about what I'm seeing, even in, even when I'm not, when I'm awake, you know, but then these things don't happen immediately. They don't happen at once. For some people, it happens one time but that one time is not you know is not it's not something that happens all the time that one time is an introduction or is more like a taste you know or an introduction to a possibility of something that can happen to you so basically what I'm saying is there is an ascension that happens in obedience if Jacob had not left his father's house he wouldn't have ascended and this ascension was not physical as in he did not see it But what we see is that after Jacob has this experience with God, this is his first personal encounter with God. And this, you know, introduces him into this world of, you know, of the supernatural and walking with God, even as his grandfather did um, Mm -hmm. when he was alive. Um, So we see ourselves in this picture, we see ourselves, you know, before the ladder. We see ourselves all the time. We might not see ourselves every day, but there are times in our lives, there are seasons that God introduces or we break into something new. You know, and in breaking into something new, there are instructions that it that accompanies those seasons. There are things that God will have us let go. There are things that God will have us, you know, um see or experience or e- encounter. And these things might not be, like I said, might not be regularly But then what God is doing is those are our ladder moments. Those are our Bethel moments, you know, where we don't Mm -hmm. expect to encounter God. And then in those places, we encounter him and say, this was a God moment for me. So we see Jacob experiencing that. And this just unknown territory. And then the Lord gives him the blessing or the Abrahamic blessing. And then he goes further to talk, promise four things to him. To watch over him, which is his security. To bring him back, which is his return. You know, um, you know, he promises him, promises him about his sustenance. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. You know, and this is God actually giving him his word. Like, no, I'm not looking back. I'm not turning back or anything like that. Um, And then Jacob wakes up and he realizes, oh, this is God. There is God here. Amazing, pretty stuff. Um, And then see what he says. The next morning, you know, Jacob took a stone that he placed under his head and he set it up as a pillar, as a memorial stone, as a witness, as the witness to a new thing, a new covenant. You know, every time God makes a covenant, every time we have our God moments, it introduces us into new things you know it's like a new dawn a new day has come for me personally and he sets up a stone there and then he says you know and he pours oil on top of it you know and then he called that place bethel and um, literally beth is a hebrew word that means house and el el and we have elion elohim el shaddai um you know we have all the el that means god el just means god um so we will see that Elijah, Elisha, Eli, um, yeah. though previously the city had been in laws. Now, verse 20, Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me, that's one, and watch over me on this journey, too, and if you'll provide me with food and clothes to wear so that I may return to my father's house safely, then the Lord will be my God. And what we see here is Jacob rearranging. <laughs> the terms you know and it's like i would also love this you know i would also love this if this were added you know to to this to this um to this contract because again remember we're talking about jacob
3: here that's very very much a,
1: a lawyer here <laughs> in can some you say, sense
3: can you say jacob was given um, conditions?
1: I wouldn't say he was giving conditions, but it sounds like he was giving conditions. Um, I mean, it sounds like it was giving conditions, but I will not say it was giving conditions because, again, that would not be another argument. Though it was giving conditions, it wasn't giving conditions. <laughs> um, <laughs> it always sounds like yeah, the prayer that, of Jabez.
0: It really like it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the correlation in my mind, you know, as I heard the Eve the prayer of Jabez where he goes... Um, if you um bless me, Lord, there was an if in that prayer, mm. but yeah, yeah. or oh, if that would yeah. bless, me. yeah, if that would me, and a large, yeah. yeah. So that was the yeah. correlation for yeah. me. So that if is not a commanding, mm. like oh, well, our terms of agreement, mm. I agreed. Anyways, no argument. Mm.
1: <laughs> yeah. you know, as, I get as, you. As, I think you're trying to say it's like an appeal, right? Is that what you mean? Like yes, so like what I mean. I, yes, like an appeal.
0: Yes, like that. What you're to things, like an, yes, yeah. Like I think that, so. Like I, so think I also appeal. want like that. You didn't talk about. Yeah, be nice. Yeah,
1: I would like that. Yeah, it's I, like I, I like all the Abraham blessings and stuff. But please, do you think we can add some things that <laughs> you just didn't mention? Like I'm going to need clothes. I'm going to need food to eat. So.
0: You
1: know, mm-hmm. can we do that so yeah, Margaret sorry, yeah, I think, as she was speaking, as the last speaker um said what she said i I just remembered um the place where, though I don't think it's directly related, but where God said, "Come, let us reason together, so um, you know i think god 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 wants to hear us, you know, it's not like he's opposed, but. Like we said, it's not an outright "see if you God if you don't do this, I'm not doing." No, that's not what he wants. But he wants us to come and say, "Okay, God, yeah. you know the way Abraham, um, you know reasoned with exactly. God about punishing, you know, the children of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah." Yeah, exactly. So it's like it's like there's a word, there's a a word that you know they call it, and we see that Jacob actually, Jacob truly mirrors Abraham because. Abraham has something that, you know, um, the Jews call chutzpah, which is C-H-U-T-Z-P-A-H um, utspa C-H-U-T-Z-P-A-H utspa is literally audacity. It's nerves. Having the nerves to do certain things. Abraham had the nerves to bargain with God. Moses had the nerves to turn God's offer down, you know. He was like, God, I don't want you. Yes, exactly. I don't want you to, I don't want you to, like, I don't, honestly, I don't think it would be good on your name to actually destroy these people. And then you have Abraham bargaining with God, you know, it's like, oh, no, like, what if there are 10 people? How about, what if there are 100 people 50 people? How about 10 people? You see that same, Audacity with this mm-hmm. Jacob, you know, even when he asked his brother for his birthrights, that was actually spark. Um, <laughs> so basically, um, we see that with um, we see that with Jacob. Um, yes, yeah, so I wouldn't exactly say he was bargaining, but he was making an appeal, you know, adding some things that he would like. Um, and this is Jacob the negotiator, so obviously he's not going to let it. He's not going to back down without a fight because we see him again fighting for blessings like I'm not gonna leave you until you bless me, touch my life, you know. Um so yeah this is this is um Jacob. Um he makes this vow God says four things and Jacob adds food and clothes to wear um you know he says I'll bring you back to this land and then he says I will return safely to my father's house you know we can still see that this is someone that you know he is is having a it is having an interesting time, handling and and receiving you know what is going on in his life you know it, it's just new to him um, or it's new to him or it's new for him it's a new experience a new thing for him um, yeah so that's Jacob's ladder and that's basically what happened it was a call to ascension it was his God moment. Um, and then we now see Jesus making reference to that, Jesus now explains or refers to himself, literally in not so much words as the ladder, because he says, you will see the angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man, um, basically. So in a sense, we can say that the ladder
2: that Jacob saw, Jacob encountered was Christ.
1: Yeah. So, any questions, thoughts, or feedback? Oh, I, I saw somebody's question, how do we tarry? Oh, uh, how do we tarry? Um, tarry is, 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 is in a place of, of, of waiting. Um, and that waiting is very, very, it's one of the most difficult things to do. Um, just waiting or staying still to receive um, is one of the most difficult things to do. But A way to tarry is, You can, I mean, one way I know, like, you can fast shut yourself in the world. Sorry?
0: I wanted to, like, sort of add context to it. Um, Okay. And because I typed that question, you know, and Mm. it's, for me, it's a question because almost everything seems to be um, take time out, wait. Um, be yes. quiet, be still, and I'm like, Father, please, you have to explain. I know yes. um, they say prayer and fasting, or reading your Bible, yes. or, yourself off the world, and all of that. Yes. I'm like can't be just that because I mean, Paul was still on a boat that was like in the middle of all sorts of temp <laughs> like <laughs> mm-hmm. and there yeah. was so much activity around them and i'm beginning to learn mm-hmm. that apart from the literal meaning there's also the figurative and so i'm wondering because mm-hmm. like there's so much and maybe because i'm tired of like the fasting and the prayer and seemingly nothing so yeah um yeah. that's me asking exactly
1: was it like oh, okay. in, in practical terms okay. to wait or okay. to To wait. <laughs> okay. So basically, thank you, thank you so much for asking um, that question, Ayo. Um, so tarrying or waiting, yeah, I'm, I'm learning that, honestly, people can give different definitions. People can say, oh, do this, do that. Um, but for me personally, I would just summarize it as waiting Um, and that waiting or I wouldn't even say as waiting, but basically waiting and that waiting is as a result of the instructions that you've heard Um, so it's not, we don't bring ourselves to wait, you know, Um, we are led to wait if that makes any sense, so it's like For example, now, let me just even use myself as an example. So for me, there are certain things that Lord has asked me to do. Um, Since he asked me to leave my job, I left my job 2017, December 2018. Since 2018, he actually asked me not to take any nine to five. Um, And so basically, in the waiting, you know, of which is like, you know, I'm going to do this, or I want you to do that, or it's just not yet time for it, or it is time for that. You know, in the waiting, what I am learning is, you know, to tilt towards his voice. So sometimes I've noticed that there might even be activities in the waiting. So, for example, last year he told me that I was two years, of, sorry, 2018, towards the end of 2018, he asked me that he told me that I was going to you know, lead a church um, as a residential pastor. and But he still asked me, but I was still in the waiting. So there was chaos going on around me. There were things going on around me, all this noise, all this stuff. It was very impossible, almost impossible for me to spend ample time in studying because then I had to deal with other things like, you know, admin stuff and all that stuff. And then, so it's like, you're handling admin stuff. You're also handling like spiritual stuff. So like I had like all these things going on but then in my heart or even in my entirety I knew that the Lord had put me in a season where he wanted me to wait. Now that waiting wasn't necessarily for something specific um in the sense that oh I am waiting for 2020 for something to happen. The waiting was not about what he wanted to give to me. What I noticed that the Lord was doing in my life was that in the waiting there was a work that he was doing in me. It's that work that the Lord was doing in me while I was waiting that was more important to him. And what that work was, was solely rooted in obedience. So it's like, I want you to get up now and I want you to go somewhere and I move. Or I want you to spend time with me in the world today I want you to, you know, fellowship with me. I want you to, I just want you to myself today and I stay there. Or, oh, a job contract comes and I want you to take this job, you know, and you're going to this place and this is the work that you're going to do. I do it and I come. But mentally, my mind is just that I am just in this place where the Lord has literally shut things down. And it might not be literal, like in terms of job or anything, but he has shut things down. There are things that I can, I can do now. and am putting so much effort and it's not yielding. It will, it will not yield any fruit because my time has not yet come, you know. Um, so it's, it wasn't necessarily, I, I, I started learning that it wasn't necessarily prayer and fasting and doing all that stuff. It was just staying with God. Um, And then in practicing that, even when there is a time to move forward, even when there is a time to go, you know, my heart is still, you know what, I'm just accustomed to staying, I'm just accustomed to fellowshipping and abiding with him. We see that with David, after David was anointed, David tarried before he became king. But in between the anointing and becoming king, David went to war. David did different things before he was enthroned or before he was crowned the king of Israel. We see the same thing with Jesus. Jesus waited before his ministry started, what he was doing in that time for 30 years. We were not told, you know, but we do know that his brothers had experienced a part of Jesus that people were yet to see. His mother had experienced the part of Jesus that people were yet to see. How do we know when they went to the wedding at the Mother said, you know, you should do something. Like, obviously, for her to say that, she must have seen him do stuff between that 30 or those 30 years. Jesus was waiting for a particular time. He was waiting for an announcement, you know, of his ministry. And when that time came, everything that he did, everything that he did in three years, you know, we best believe that in his 30 years, you know, those things wouldn't have matched what he did um, three years in terms of his public ministry. We see the same thing, you know, um, in scripture. We see the same thing with, um, what's his name? Um, trying to remember this guy's name. How am I sweating like this? Okay. We see the same thing with even um, Elisha. He's not, he's waiting to take over from Elijah. But then what does he do in this period? He's waiting, he, um, what does he do? He, um, what was that? He shadows Elijah. He follows Elijah everywhere. Everywhere Elijah was, Elisha was there. But then he was waiting to take over because the Lord literally told Elijah to take, anoint Elisha to take over from him. But then in between that time, we see that Elisha, wasn't necessarily in a place praying and fasting, you know, there, there were all these things going on, all these things were happening in his life. But then it's like that place, like you said, that place of tarry, is not as much as what we do in the physical realm. You know, it is a spiritual state. It's that place of rest. It's that place of abiding. It's that place of listening, tilting our ears to hear what the Lord is saying per time, you know, and it's in that place where, we're actually allowing him to do the work that he wants to work out in us. You know, for so, for some of us, God might say, oh, I want you to, you know, wait out something for like a year. But then if you don't learn the lesson that he desires that you learn in, in that period, you know, we best believe that the time will be extended. The proof is with the Israelites going through everything that they went through when they were not even supposed to go through that because God wanted to do a work in them. He wanted to purge their hearts. So You know, we see that that waiting is not necessarily prayer or fasting. Waiting is a a state, is a spiritual state where we are yielded and our ears are tilted, you know, to hear what the Lord is saying to us per time. And whatever he's doing or whatever he's saying, that's what we do. And it's obedience. It is is in obedience that we find rest. It is in obedience that we wait, you know. Um, I might fast from now to tomorrow, fast from now to next. If my heart is not literally prostrated, prostrated before God, then I'm wasting my time. And that's what God wants to do when we wait, you know. So it's, it's a place of silence. It's a place where we allow our hearts to find rest in God. And, you know, our ears are tilted to hearing what he has to say per time. And it's everything that he says that we do. Um, and that's what I, I, I personally believe it's a place of tarry, you know, it's waiting and just, just desiring to hear from you.
2: But what has your experience been like in terms of tarry?
0: I've noticed
1: that, um, and uh, in fact, I, was, I said I was going to ask um, people on the group. You know, um, this same thing that you mentioned about when we don't do what we're supposed to do, the time is extended. I know God has given me that analogy before, like, um, you know, secondary school. So you're in JS1 and if you don't pass, you keep on repeating class. And I think that's where I've um, been. And I think there are several um, factors that have contributed to that. But one thing I wanted to ask also from the house mm. was, has anybody struggled with consistency Hello. I wanted to ask if anybody in the house had struggled with consistency. Can you hear me? You can hear me.
0: me.
2: No.
1: I was was saying that if anybody in the house had struggled with consistency and um, would you say discipline, diligence, those three words, I'd like to hear tips because I know I need it. So (laughs) lately I've been trying to get back and i realize that for me um there are certain things certain distractions that keep me from 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 the place of tarrying so i know i should tarry but then there's distractions or sometimes i i think i don't know if i'm alone on this sometimes i'm afraid of what i'm going to see i don't know how to explain it like um I don't know how to explain it. Like, there's a little. Uh, there's the, the fear comes in two ways. Like, okay, so I'm I'm waiting on God now. What if What if God doesn't say anything? What if I What if I What if I, What if He doesn't say anything? Or what if I'm just wasting my time? Or the fear of, okay. Can I handle it? Am I going to uh-huh. be able to deal? Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah
3: okay so like i was saying
1: um some of the challenges that i've had in in the tiring process sometimes i get distracted and more recently god has been highlighting it and bringing it to my attention you know i was Mm -hmm. part of the um the the dream zoom call yesterday and I I just realized that some of these things are things that God has been highlighting stop this or stop this I realized some days ago that my attention span and span is shortening and so there are so many areas that I know I should be working on but I need to be diligent in doing the work that I know needs to be done so my Mm. own experience is that I I haven't been very good at it yes there have been pockets of time and periods of time where I have done a good job of waiting but overall I need to be Mm. more consistent and diligent at it especially in these times
2: Mm.
1: Mm. okay so I'm going to leave it for everyone I'm going to write it I'll write this down I mean I've had Tips that have helped me, but then I also like to hear what everybody else has to say. Um, and then I immediately
2: said she has a question. i please, can you go?
0: My question is not straightforward, and I'm not sure if it's something that I want to do on the group because it's a lot of talk.
2: Okay. But so you wanna talk later about it. Yeah. Okay, right, that's great.